Oh, hello there. What's going on? Yeah, we're back once again. I know you fucking hate it, but, uh, you know, <gasps> just have to get on with it, won't you? It's absolutely fine. It's just not cricket. So why is it not cricket? Is it golf? Why is it just cricket? Can it be bowling? It's such a weird, a weird thing to say in the old British language. Uh, but we are here today to bring you the 88th edition of the Chronicles of Podcasts, aren't we, Jamie? Is that right? 88? Oh, yeah. 88? Well, away from 100. Absolutely insane. I do believe that even though it's not cricket or golf or whatever sport you want to make sure it's not, um, but these right here, the Chronicles of Faith Elizabeth? Yeah, they are. Absolutely wonderful. Well, I'll hit it. Hit it! This is Ron Wasserman, the nut that wrote Go Go Power Rangers. It's Boba Fett here. This is Molly Rennick from Living Dead Girl. Hi, I'm Faith Elizabeth. I am an actress and director and apparently do it all. And I am on the Chronicles of Podcast today with Tom and Jamie talking shit and hopefully saying some good things that are going to sit in your heart and change your life. Weirdly uncomfortable. I'm not expected to go to a show the entire time, am I? And he's going to be that well known for it. We're going to name him after Spurg. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 88th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these, dee 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 are the chronicles of Faith Elizabeth. This is I, the bearded brummy Jamie, and joining me, as always, as always, is this handsome bugger right here. Well, Scotsman Tom, I'm trying to wonder why you sound part of your world. Hey, you got it. Um, is it from the Little, Little Mermaid? It is, it's part of the world from the Little Mermaid. Uh, because this week's guest has portrayed a mermaid in a movie, and it was a, the closest thing I could tie it to a song. Oh, fair. Okay. Obviously, The Little Mermaid <laughs> actually came out, didn't it, on Friday? So, the live-action remake for people that are interested in going and checking that out. I'm um, not. No, neither am I. Jamie, <laughs> you know how, as Brits and Americans, um, when pissed off, or maybe not so much now, because a lot of people just go, fuck off, shit off, you fucking bollocks, you twat head. But <laughs> direct, I, back in the day, so back in the 90s, when people would have won an argument, say... And that person will be leaving, you go, Sayonara, Arriva Dirchi, Alfida Sane, bye. Then we used to do all the random goodbyes in, in all the different languages. Yeah? I do vaguely remember this, yes. Okay. okay. With a do, sassy you wonder, do you ever wonder if other countries do it? Oh, could you imagine? They're like, <laughs> Au revoir, Alfida Sane, Arriva Dirchi, <laughs> goodbye, you prick. <laughs> Adios. And you got some <laughs> random Italians going, Arrivederci, how Peter saying, Arrivoire, adios, goodbye. <laughs> Just the idea of a foreign person using the English language to be a sassy bitch is really funny to me for some reason. But then randomly, it'd be all the European languages, and randomly, Japanese. Sayonara. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. So can you imagine a Japanese person doing it? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, prick. <laughs> as soon as you say, can you imagine? I was like, please do an impression. Please do an impression. You never let me down. <laughs> well, that, that was not that's not meant to offend any Japanese people listening to this. 
Um, I have no idea of your wonderful cultural language. I was just merely being a twatty Brit. So... (laughs) (laughs) I found... You know, see, you know my hatred for spelling mistakes, grammar mistakes. You know how much I love to correct. No, I had no idea. No, to be sarcastic. Do you know how much I <laughs> love to correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Annabelle Knight gave me the most, just the most delicious piece of information, a bit of gold that really made my day this morning. She okay. shared something she calls hard-hitting questions. Okay. This is genuinely a question that a genuine human being has asked, and I live for stupid people. I live for it. I just live for it, all right? (laughs) The question, the hard-hitting question we have this week is as as follows. Can pregnant women go swimming? Okay? This is what this gentleman was asking. I'm a man, so I do not know. It is possible for pregnant women to go swimming without unintentionally drowning the baby. How can the baby breathe if the vagina is underwater? Should the woman keep the vagina above water so the baby can breathe through the vagina? Genuine question that was genuinely asked today. So what you're expecting is then, if they if, if they want if he expects the woman to keep the vagina above water, they're either going to swim like a pyramid. Yeah? Or they're going to swim upside down. <laughs> With the legs in the air, <laughs> which would be incredibly difficult. You just go down. So you're literally going to swim like said pyramid with no, with obviously no bottom. It's just a, yeah. I mean. How has this person functioned in life, one? And two, has he never heard the expression, water's breaking? Exactly. Exactly. Already in water, mate. Like, what the fuck? Jesus they've, ne- they've never breathed air. They haven't breathed air yet. <laughs> Jesus fucking I'm surprised that person's not dead yet (laughs) (laughs) to be quite honest because how have you got through life is amazing to me (laughs) I'm not a woman so I'm not really 100% sure (laughs) but surely you are a functioning member of society and have some common sense you prat I love it I just love it massive shout to that person absolutely incredible (laughs) A massive shout out to former guest Annabelle Knight for making your day. Oh yeah, it was great. It was so great. <laughs> and finally, a piece of it, a piece of a conversation topic I really want to bring up. Right, you know I love for the house is haunted, psychics and that sort of thing. Oh yeah. When when people say that this so and so or somewhere is haunted, who said it? Who said it was haunted? Have you proven this? Is there a fact to say that this place is haunted? How have you proven the fact that it's haunted? Because maybe a window slammed shut or something. Oh, my God. That's Derek. Derek used to live here in 1492. (laughs) I I reckon somebody else in that house has gone elsewhere into the house and is going, Get out. Get out, you pricks. (laughs) Why is it girls called us pricks? Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, you bastards. Like, (laughs) this is my house. That, that's that's a guy whose wife's had her friends around and he really wants them out the fucking house. So he's just causing shit to manage this ghost and they'll leave. No, it's, where, no, it's, where, it's where mediums go to these these supposed haunted houses oh. and then they bring this this crew with them. There's obviously one of the cameramen's like, where, where's John gone? Where's John? Where's John? Oh, he couldn't make it today. Um, 
his <laughs> wife uh, was making some delicious sandwiches and he went to enjoy those instead. Uh, so he is not here today uh, because his wife makes really, really delicious sandwiches. And then John's the fucking prick that's at the stairs going, oh, God. And it's like stomping on the stairs. Stuff, and I was going, what the fuck's that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate that shit so much. It's so yeah. damn fake. It drives me mad. So I'd really like to know who told you it was haunted. Who 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 are these experts that apparently told you that was haunted? Because I'd really love to meet them. And be like, oh, so how did you find out? How did you know that they were haunted? Please, please inform me of uh, of uh, give me give me said proof, and then maybe I'll start believing that sort of shit. But as for now, I don't. So... I saw them at the top of my staircase. Granted, it was two in the morning. I just woke up. My vision was a bit blurry, but I swear there was a person there. Yeah. It might be a towel. I'm not really sure to be honest. It was 2 a.m. <laughs> the door closed and I was the only one home. It, I mean, it was a windy day, but I just couldn't explain it. I don't know. must have been a ghost. I don't get it. I put my hand out to close the door. The fucking door shut by itself. <laughs> Absolutely mental. And I was drying my bed sheet on top of the door. There's a sheet which is flying about the place. Absolutely crazy. It's definitely a ghost, mate. That's a fucking ghost, that is. Yeah, Colin, it's definitely a ghost. I just love those shows. It's like, we've come to this place. It's reportedly haunted. We're going to speak to the spirits. No one talks to them. Every single episode, no one talks to them. Oh, it's not our lucky day. Yeah, because there's no one fucking there, Derek. Go away. Let me let me put this random thing that no one's ever heard of on the floor that, that fluctuates. Isn't that what measures ra- ra- radiology or whatever? I don't know. Radioactive material? No. No. Is there a nuclear pump by? No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure by Sunday. I'm pretty sure it's a nuclear power station next door. Anyway, sorry. It's a a fact these idiots do live shows. They go to places in an arena and then suddenly, how do you make a live show out of that? Uh, There's ghosts in here, apparently, but there isn't. Just I wanted to tell you there was, so you called, but come buy tickets to my show. Oh, God, that, you took that quite personally, didn't you? Yeah, Jesus. I did. Yeah. Are, you, are Derek, you all right? Me and Derek Akora, we got, we got fucking business. Isn't he out of business now? Isn't know. he dead? I don't know, is he? He died in 2020. Did he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Me and Derek, we had business. It ended in 2020. <laughs> yeah. There we are. Anyway, how are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I'm pretty fucking tired i don't know why i'm just really struggling these past few weeks just the constant shift changes and i don't know why i'm really struggling to adjust i'm just constantly exhausted but as you like to say there we are then oh well i, might, I mean if you have a kid as well it probably doesn't help matters so i yeah. have to have that luxury so it's great i mean it's not a luxury i don't know why i said that I um i <laughs> i have the luxury should i say of being able to get it whenever i fucking like it's great so yeah no, I don't know that looks right, but it's fine. It's fine. He says that while falling asleep, stood up. But it's fine. <laughs> did, did you, I mean, you do fall asleep wherever you fucking like. Did, did that actually happen? I have fallen asleep, stood up once while I was at work. What? Uh, when I was at Sainsbury's once, this is years ago, I was at the end of an aisle with a cage, and then I woke up and I was the other end of the aisle. I don't remember getting from A to B. Have you got narcolepsy? <laughs> I did wonder at one point if I did. But... Have you gone and got that tested? No. To fair, it hasn't happened since I lost the weight. I'm a lot better now. I, I might have doze off sometimes because, you know, I'm a human who's tired, but not like I used to. Okay. If before, I could be wide awake and she'd be like, hi, I'm loving... <laughs> yeah. That's such a male answer. 
Oh, I'm fine now. No, no, I've self-diagnosed. I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> What's that massive lump on your leg? It's just my other leg. Is that all right? That's definitely oh, a friend. tripod. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> uh, but I tell you, one thing I am is feeling pretty nostalgic today because as I posted on Facebook yesterday, it's been a year since the live show. How crazy. How has that been a year already? I couldn't believe it. Absolutely couldn't believe it. Let me take you back to a couple of episodes ago, Jamie, where we talked about how people shock yeah, was... people get by the fact that time yeah. moves on. It's amazing, isn't it? It is. So... I, know, I know how time works. It was a rhetorical <laughs> question. It just it, doesn't feel like it's, it's been a year. No, I know. It's it's been mental actually to think about what's happened in this in this period of time since um just to let you all know we are working on the chronicles podcast live too um it's just not moving as fast as we'd like so i do apologize to anyone i know i know a few have been asking about it so um i uh, we are the plans are in place we're just trying to get shit nailed down and sorted and and God knows what else. So, uh, yeah, just just watch this space if you do listen to the show or watch our social media or anything like that or YouTube. Just um, just watch this space. We are working on it. I promise you. So, uh, hoping hoping to get a show done this year. So, uh, we shall keep you apprised. But yes, it is nuts that that was over a year ago. It was, and then what a night it was. Oh, so good. I was just thinking. I've been thinking about it like the past couple of days. Just like. How crazy it's been, but like everything that's happened in that year, everything that happened that night, it's just ah, uh, wonderful times. But yeah, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm I. Right. I'm just getting by. I think more than anything else, it's insanely hot in here. Like I can't get over being three stories up. It just and obviously it's just one wall is pretty much a window. Um, it is insanely difficult to sleep. It's in difficult to breathe. Look. Uh, no, I'm joking. It's fine. It's just, it's just warm. I, I just hate being a ginger. I can't do a mugginess, and obviously, you should attestment to that as well. Um, it's really fucking difficult to just even like. I was going to say procreate for some reason. No idea where that came into my head. Um, that's such a Stop. weird. Uh, I mean, it's, I love the summer. Really fucking difficult to have kids <laughs> because you know, summertime comes, eggs just like they just dissolve and <laughs> evaporate, and they just evaporate into the air. Because obviously it's too fucking hot in here. No, it as a ginger, as soon as the sun touches me, I just melt into a pot. I was cooking, I'm not joking, this is true. I was cooking dinner earlier, I was cooking enchiladas, and I literally walked away and was like just like soaked. Like it is pissing it down inside my flat, but only on me. <laughs> I was dripping, it was horrible. I just love the fact you chose while you're already warm to have spicy food and a food that you can't help but self help but bring yourself to meat sweats with if that was a good idea <laughs> sounds a perfect idea as soon as enchiladas <laughs> is on the table as soon as the ingredients are here i'm like make an enchiladas tonight <laughs> fuck everything else i'm making enchiladas tonight all right <laughs> i don't give a shit if that's all going out of date tonight we're having enchiladas tonight <laughs> <laughs> that's literally how it goes literally how it goes <laughs> so uh, other than being an absolutely motherfucking tired how has uh, your week been it's been good. I've been pretty busy, to be fair, because I've been a lot, doing a lot of Rihanna in. I was doing... That's so brummy. <laughs> a lot of Rihanna. I'm really fucking busy, to be fair. I'm <laughs> fucking busy. You won't fucking believe it, bud. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'll own it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, doing a lot, doing a lot of Rihanna in, as always. Um, I went to Ikea. 
haven't been there in a little while. I feel like that shop never ends. Like you're just like, am I at the end yet? Yeah, you're only halfway through. Am I at the end now? No, you're still halfway through. You've been here four hours. You're still halfway through the store. You're back at the beginning now. Yeah, you're, you've gone all the way around. You're like, fuck. But no, went to Ikea and then built said furniture we got for Olivia while we were there. Um, we've done two fantastic interviews, which I cannot wait for people to hear. They're absolutely amazing. Um, I brought some more gig tickets since we last spoke. Jesus I'm... Christ, you and your fucking gigs. You can't justify going to see Kiss, but you could go to like five other shows. Well, there, there, there's where this is where the plans change, sir, because I am now going to see Kiss. <laughs> oh, they went to two for one. How can we turn that down? And oh, plus, okay. On, on the last, on, on the last farewell tour, um, <laughs> Becky couldn't go because yeah, she wasn't very ni- well. The ninth one. <laughs> yeah, Becky wasn't very well, so she was like, "I really want to go because I missed out last time. It's the last chance to see him." So I was like, "Come on, let's go. Fuck it." I was like. One deal, though, we are getting as close to the front of that damn crowd as possible because it's my last chance to see them. I want to just find there. So, yeah. I, I can't wait to see four 70-year-olds fuck around on stage for no reason. I'm so excited. And their shit. I bet the, the makeup's, like, terrible because they just can't be asked. It's a <laughs> final farewell. Fuck it. It's going to be a star. I'm going to shit. I'm going to make it like a fucking pineapple. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I would love to see Paul Stanley with a pineapple instead of a star. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Amazing. It's crazy <laughs> nights. You know how many crazies there are. Fuck it, who cares? <laughs> He's not really singing it anymore. Anyway, it's fine. Um, <laughs> and on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, we got tickets to see Seal. <laughs> what? Yeah, Seal. As in Kiss from a Rose guy. Yeah. I, I know. I, I fucking. I'm not expected to go to a show. <laughs> the entire time, am I? Of yeah. course, I know who the fucking seal is. Going to go see him hold the bowl on his nose. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, just, I, was I like, tell him it was a look of confusion. Why seal or who the fuck seal? I just wasn't I sure. know who, who doesn't know who seal is. Oh, Jesus okay. Christ! Hold on, oh, how did you just, see this? How did you just sound brought me then? That was so weird. <laughs> of course, I know who seal is. You've been talking to me for way too long. Yeah, probably. Um, it's like being like, oh, you know who the Spice Girls are, right? No, I have no fucking clue. Yeah. <laughs> Did they sing single bilingual? What? At shop boys. <laughs> Never mind. Random <laughs> fucking. <laughs> you know that S Club Four. It's probably what it is now. Um... <laughs> Definitely love two. What about A Five? <laughs> Okay, I'm just double checking. All right, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what about the front road boys? <laughs> what about in synchronization? <laughs> Fuck me. You know, the Christopher Rose guy. No, Jamie, I had absolutely no fucking clue. Oh, right, that. Jesus Christ. I'm just double checking. <laughs> we are going to oh. see him, all right? Jesus fucking Christ! What, but why? 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 It's such a random. It's such a random person to go and see. Because one, he's fucking awesome, and two, he sang one of our wedding songs. So we thought it'd be pretty cool to go see. Him okay, there. that so, that's fine. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. If that wasn't an answer, <laughs> that I mean, such a random. Oh, I just you know, I just really love that Kiss Rush song because it was on Batman. I don't fucking, I don't fucking know. He <laughs> was on Batman. <laughs> It's just such a it's just a, it's it's just like me turning around going, Yeah, I really want to see Jerry Halliwell. None of the other four, just Jerry. Just Jerry. It's I just want to see Jerry. 
you know, should that look at me song? Oh shit, she did. I forgot about that. That was banging, let's be honest. Look at me. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'll stop now. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, Where's he went... playing the Sea Life Centre? Sorry. <laughs> World Resorts. <laughs> is it actually there? I think it is Resorts World, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Just see him like, with the dog, like, just like, swimming through the back of <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. These jokes are terrible. These jokes are so terrible. I'm so sorry. You can imagine how many times he's probably heard those jokes throughout his career as well. True. <laughs> but I want, I would, I would love it. I would absolutely love it if he just fucked with someone just once and people threw him buckets of fish. Just threw <laughs> fish at him while he's on stage. It would be absolutely amazing. And he's went, oh, no, 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 no. With a kiss from a rose on the plate. Because he's enjoying that fish so much. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> right, this is getting old now, so I'm gonna move on. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Sorry, Faith. I don't know what you've let yourself in for. Know, yeah. Um, oh god, what else have I done? Uh, I had a night out the other night with Claire and Griff, which was great fun. Went and got some food, had some drinks, had a game of bowling, game of pool. I won on the bowling, lost on the pool. It's fine. Yeah, it was a great night. I think we all needed it to be fair. Need a, every now and again you just need a fucking night out to get away from everything, which was lovely. Um when he saw the kids, but only really saw Sam because Lena was away. So we, me and him had a nice little day, which was quite nice. Just had a walk around, went to the park and whatnot. And again, I've had a lovely day with Olivia today because it's half term. Which is, yeah. And that's pretty much my week, my friend. How about you? Oh, actually, tell a lie. Watching-wise, I'm up to season three, episode nine of Ash vs. Evil Dead. I've got one and a half episodes left. I told you I'd smash it by the time we spoke next. <laughs> and... I watched the first three Evil Dead movies just because I want. I was like, I can't. I don't understand half these references. I was like, I'm going to watch them. So I watched the first three Evil Dead movies. What a weird trilogy of movies they are. Weird. And it, um, it amazes me that you're absolutely knackered because you work so much. Yet have all this time to watch things. I don't get it. I watch them on my phone when I'm traveling and stuff like when I'm doing stuff around the house. I just put it on the side. Uh, and stuff like. I very okay. rarely just sit and watch something. <laughs> I can't watch it off of my phone. It's it's just like because I'm so used to a massive TV. That feels weird. Yeah, I'm I'm just used to multitasking. It's my way of like getting my bits of entertainment, and so I just put it on the side and crack on while I'm doing stuff. Yeah, weird movies though. Weird fucking movies. So the first one's straight up horror. Second one's horror with comedy bits, and the third one, I have no idea what the fuck that was. Becky came home while I was watching it. She was like, "What on earth are you watching?" It's, it's wonderful, wonderfully weird. But there we go. Anyway, how are you, sir? Yeah, no, not too bad. Um, this week's been... What have I done this week? Obviously, Karis has been away, so uh, I'm just trying to think. Like I said, we did two interviews, um, two monster ones. One was at fucking midnight because it's all in Australia, so looking forward to getting that bad boy. I've hardly slept all weekend because the heat's been insane, so it's just not been great. So, I, like, I should be exhausted. I should literally be headbutting this computer right about now, but... <laughs> But I'm not, so um, I probably will after this show's done. Um, I've watched Night of Champions and I watched Double or Nothing back to back yesterday. That Ooh. was absolutely incredible. Um, uh, what else have I done? Like I, 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 I went to Cheltenham. I went to Cheltenham <laughs> over the weekend. I went to spend the day with Vicky because um, it was her birthday a few weeks ago, uh, and it was the only time I could get down to go see her. So I went and saw her. Uh, like bought some dinner and we just hung out, watched a barbecue cooking program all day on Netflix. It was great. It was so chill. Uh, Sunday, I saw Paul. 
uh, went for coffee, and then I came home. Uh, obviously, I saw you on Saturday. Say, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we saw each other, which is nice uh, for all of about five minutes, but still. Um, it's always good to, to collab and get together and whatnot. Um, but other than that, man, like Keris came home. So I was up till 2 a.m. waiting for Keris to come home. Ooh. So that was absolutely destroying because she she didn't have her keys. So I was like, ah. oh, I'll let you in. It's because I was going to go to bed. She's like, oh, actually, I haven't got my keys on me. Can you let me in? I'm like, oh. I guess. Hey, your moms. So I, I watched Simpsons just to keep me entertained laughing because I knew it would keep me, it'll keep me up and laughing. Um, so that, other than that, man, like not a whole ass of a lot. Just played a lot of Braden. Um, he's just uh, announced he's doing a massive arena show, uh, a one-off mm-hmm. arena show with boys like girls and the Somerset uh, in Toronto at the end of October. It's a massive, massive boys like girls tour with mm-hmm. loads of support. So four years strong, state champs, 303, the Somerset, the ready set, Braden, and some other person I can't can't remember. So apologies to that person. Um, but yeah, they're doing like a massive American and Canadian tour. And then there's, there's loads of different support for different dates. It's quite cool. Um, so yeah, so that's going on. So make sure if you're in the States or Canada, make sure you go and check out the Boys Like Girls tour because um, they're back. They did a song with Taylor Swift back in the day, Two Become One. Um, or Two is better than One, sorry. Two Become One, Spice Girls. See, Spice Girls is yes, yes. the brain again. Yeah, yeah. Two is better than One is the Boys Like Girls track with Taylor Swift for those interested. Um other than that, man, like, not a whole ass... Oh, no, I will tell you something. Oh, okay, go on, man. Saturday was weird. So, you know how much I fucking hate this town. Um, I was walking to the train station, and I think I told you this already when I saw you. I was walking to the train station, and it was 9am, right? So, pretty early in the morning. Weather was... Sun was out. It was quite a hot day. Walking towards the station... Guy comes on the corner, no T-shirt on. And I was like, oh, my days, okay, here we go. So I didn't realize you're a Barbados, mate. Um, but you could, I could tell the way he was looking. He was just staring straight at me the entire time. And I was like, he's going to he's gonna stop me here. He's going to try and talk to me, I can see. No. Then he walked into my path, and I was like, oh, here we go. So anyway, I had my tunes on, and I was like, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm not even going to stop and whatever. And all I heard from my, through my music was, weren't you involved in? That's all I heard. The fuck? Obviously, I kept walking, and he went to grab, he grabbed my arm. So I just threw him, I just threw him off and kept walking. The hell? And then all I could hear was like profanity and shouting, like, he was obviously off his tits on some sort of drugs. But like, he's literally the Tasmanian devil. Um, but I literally was, I kept like glancing. I wouldn't look behind me, but I kept glancing to make sure it wasn't behind me with a knife or anything just to be on yeah, the safe yeah. side. Such a random moment. Like just 9am, really? God, you I'm started in, early. I'm just intrigued what he thought you were involved in. Yeah, I wasn't even going to wait to find out because I think it was all a ploy to like, give me a fucking phone. Probably. Weren't you involved yeah. in that rap video that was being made in Newport the other week? Yeah, by the river. <laughs> This point, I heard your show. But this is it. <laughs> um, but yeah, for those people that walk around town in no t-shirt, stop doing it. Just stop doing it. Nobody wants to see that. I don't care how fucking ripped you are. I don't give a shit. All right? Stop doing it because it's unhyped. No one wants to see that shit anyway. No one is going to see you walk past with your six pack out and go. <laughs> 
are they? No one's going to start putting towels down because they're so excited at the thought of seeing you walk through town. <laughs> All right? Nobody. So stop doing it. I used, to, I used to hate working in supermarkets or in shops, and I was oh. always the manager. And they'd walk in, you'd be like, get out. No. It's around your fucking waist. Just put it on. Just put it on. Just put it on for now, and do whatever the fuck you like when you get out of here. And if they're an extra douche, it's around their shoulders. Yep, I saw one earlier oh. with that with that bum bag around. It's like it was like the left tip protector. <laughs> I don't even want to protect my left tip. My right one, I can't give a fuck about, mate. <laughs> it's already dead. It's already gone. Once that one's sunburned, I'll swap the strap over. Fucking idiots. Grow up. Grow up. Anyway, sorry. Apologies. That was my week. <laughs> should we step off this high horse and check in with Braden? We should. We should go and see the old, uh, the master of Stay Cozy Clothing. All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Berry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boy. I've said it once, and I'll say it every single week. Best advert ever. Oh, Simple yes, as that. And now we'll just transition into Jamie's favorite segment of the week. Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this. Stop Callum's treachings. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you. And Callum's treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. What was that? I don't really know. <laughs> What's that, Dad? Got a carrot? <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Callum's treachings. Jamie. Yes, sir. Shall we just get right on in there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Come on in. What is Callum Trichinger's? Oh, this week? Walking down the street the same pace as a stranger is weirdly uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It it is, though, isn't it? It absolutely is. You're trying to be walking side by side. I'm going to go a bit quicker because this is weird. (laughs) I I always worry... When there's a lady that's walked in front of you, and you go the same the same way as her for like quite some time, there was I was walking to the gym, and she I'd come out of my flat, and I was walking. It was like really in the morning as well. It was like seven a.m. and I was walking, and she'd met me at like Rodney Parade, so she's going to walk over the bridge at the same time as me, and she started to pick the pace up, but that's obviously I couldn't catch her, but I was just walking my normal. So it was almost like I was following her the entire way, and I felt really fucking guilty. I left the gym, Jamie. Guess what fucking happened? <laughs> oh, she came straight. She was walking. She left at the again. same time as me. I went, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and so it looked like I followed her all the way home as well. And obviously I didn't. It was just bad I, timing. I know exactly what you mean by that. You're like, I'm just going about my day. But for some reason, I feel guilty about that because I'm going to look like I followed someone. What a yeah. weird world we live in. Yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, it's so right. It's, it's so, especially when they start looking at you, you're like, all right. <laughs> But it's almost like you're picking up the pace at the same time as them. So that it's almost like you're like walking. So no one slows down. No one's like, I won't be defeated. You will not defeat me. I will beat you there. Wherever it is you're going. 
If you pick up the pace, it just looks like you're trying to get somewhere a bit quicker. You don't, but if you slow down and start walking backwards a bit, you just look like a bit of a fucking weirdo that's trying to avoid someone. <laughs> yeah, but surely if you pick the pace up a set of eight, like, surely if you pick the pace up, it looks like you're still following them ish. So slowing yeah. down would be better, even though you feel a bit of a wally. At least if you slow down, it's like, I'll just make it. But then if you slow down, it looks like you're waiting. Mm. <laughs> I'll let them go a bit further ahead of me. But he's so right. It's such a weird... But what's even worse is, especially when you're in town, it's like, we've been doing this for years, but all of a sudden people point this shit out now. <laughs> Excuse me, are you following me? No, I need to go to the same store that you do for some reason. That's just how life works. Oddly enough, this place has shops. We're both going to the shops. Yeah. I also just going to say is I also have to wash my clothes, otherwise I'm going to smell like shit, my friend. So, you know... <laughs> And obviously, why, where, where'd you get off me? So I think I'm following you. You're not that important. <laughs> Maybe you're following me. We just timed this at the same time, and we've ended up at the same place together. So get over yourself. We could have had a budding friendship, but no, you're paranoid and you've ruined it. Although I kind of made a budding friendship with somebody. I was in Tesco earlier, and we we're getting some moisturizer because Karis is burnt to a crisp. And, um, this guy was like, we were walking to the same point. Literally, we were getting it at the same point. <laughs> so I started looking, and he started looking. And then we looked at each other like, oh, sorry, you. And he was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, sorry. So I walked around. And then he followed me again to the same bit. And I was like, I'm really enjoying this dance. This is really good fun. <laughs> <laughs> nice guy. Really nice guy. Don't forget his name, no. Um, I don't want to add him to Facebook or anything. Not like that. Not or his number. <laughs> no. Um but no, I got to have a bit of a weird ballroom dance with somebody in Tesco. It was great. Okay. Um, but yeah, it literally, it, a lot of people point things out more now than they we do. never used to. So it's it's uh, it's an awkward and a weird. So I get why it's awkward because it's just. And then, but I think if you feel awkward, it makes it look more awkward. Yes. If you, if you just acted normal, like it, oh well, we're the same people. We're two people going in the same direction. We both walk at the same pace. No one would really care, but because you go, oh, this is awkward, I don't like this, I'm going to move a bit differently. Yeah, it then feels but, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> don't look like a killer, don't look like a killer. Um, yeah. <laughs> They're going to think I'm going to attack them, I'm not, because I'm actually quite scared of them, but still. <laughs> I was talking of being in Cheltenham, I was, I literally left town 10 minutes and I saw Callum put a story up that was in town, I was like, nah. No, oh, typical. So, yeah, I know, there we are. But anyway, Jamie, we digress and we move on. What else is Callum treating us this week? A lot of people will have never sat in the back seat of their own car. <laughs> That's a really fucking good point. That's a weird. That is... <laughs> oh, my days. Well, yeah, but they wouldn't... They're the only ones that are insured to drive it, so... Well, yeah, they never would need to sit in the back seat. That's, That's weird. so weird to think about. Becky, well, no, you don't drive, do you? So no. Becky would never have sat in the back of... Yeah. No, it's not me. It's, it's hard to relate to this one because neither of us drive. But yeah, just thinking about it, why would they? But the thing is, because you imagine she did and you're just like, <laughs> love. <for> the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like in the final destination. Seat, you're behind me. Who the fuck is driving? Yeah. <laughs> She's just there with her arms out. It's like, to like with her really long, like, stilt legs. Putting the stilts on the pedals. That'd be I so look. weird. I was going to say, I'll look, and Olivia's just sat there. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 dad, I like Pit Power Ranger. <laughs> Pretty much. 
So, yeah, I mean, I can't relate. So I can't make anything funny out of this, really. That's the best I got. That's the best I got, Cal. <laughs> I literally, there's no one there. Far destinations happened. We're fucked. It's literally how that's playing out. So at the same time, if I was to own a car, I can't help part of me would think, I own this shit. I am gonna sit in every part of it because I own it. I'm gonna claim it. <laughs> As a driver, right? If you sat in the back of somebody else's car, sure that still feels weird. Do you think? Because yeah. you were normally used to driving. So when you're not driving, you must be a bit like, uh, this feels odd. What's weird is this has happened. Like we've gone places. We say Becky's parents, and they've driven, and she sat in the back. She's like, I don't like this. I'm sitting in the back. But if we get in a taxi, nothing ever. That doesn't feel weird. It's because she's drunk. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, just just a random observation I just had. Then there we are. Oh, there we are. There we are indeed. Let's move on because we're not making very good content out of this. No, we're um, not. <laughs> and finally, Jamie, what else is Callum teaching us this week? The only mammal you can make an omelette from is a platypus. <laughs> what? Callum, I fucking love you. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the only mammal that lays eggs and produce milk so they can make their own custard. Um... <laughs> really? <laughs> I, For some reason, right, my brain went to... The, plat- the platypus is quite flat. It is. So I thought you'd make the omelette from the platypus, not the actual... I don't realize it may... So I thought you meant platypus omelette, basically, is what I thought you meant. <laughs> you chop up the fucking platypus. In a yeah. Just put that really long, random beak on the side. Let's just leave that there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I generally thought you meant the animal itself. That's why I was a bit like, what? That really... So I have no knowledge. I don't... My platypus knowledge isn't exactly up to par. Let's put it that what? way. <laughs> why would it be? Let's be honest. <laughs> But they have they make the lay eggs. You can make and they have milk as well. Yeah. The only That's one. weird, dude. Yeah, the, the platypus is a weird animal. Anyway, let's be honest. Just look at it. It's like it's like someone took a mallet to a duck. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way we can improve this duck. We can make it really fucking flat. <laughs> and it's like, but the, the mashing of the mallet turned their feathers into fur. <laughs> it's crushed out. I mean. Because obviously God doesn't exist. These animals are <laughs> mental. Yeah. Like the fact these are like a mongoose. That's a mental animal. It eats fucking snakes. What? Like what? Oh my God. It's the deadliest fucking cobra I've ever seen in my life. Mongoose like, don't give a shit. No. And a great name. Eh? <laughs> what? Mongoose? Mongoose. It's a great name. <laughs> it's like it couldn't turn into a bird. But then it couldn't exactly turn into a monster. I don't know. <laughs> I love watching bra- a joke fall apart in your brain. It's great. My brain just went, no, no, Tom, you should have stayed where you were. Stay in your lane, boys. Stay in your lane. <laughs> that is a crazy ass fucking animal, though. Everything eats everything. Wait, do sharks yeah. get eaten? They don't, do they? I, think, I swear I've heard before that um, killer whales attack sharks. I swear I've heard that before. That rings a bell. Do they eat them though? I don't know, but man, they normally say little. Is it krill? Krill? Little fish? I can't remember. I have no idea. I also want to know who thought a really good idea be a fucking sperm whale was a good idea. We'll have a massive fucking mammal and just fill it full of cum. (laughs) Why? Why not? And And you can can 
It can literally impregnate the entire Atlantic Ocean by himself. <laughs> and he's going to be that well known for it. We're going to name him after sperm. <laughs> I fancy having to go to the Pacific Ocean today, lads. What you are you? Indian, yeah, after you go, mate. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> never, been a, never been a fan of the Asian types, to be fair. I quite like my Atlantic. <laughs> Oi! Atlantic Ocean, even you fucking millions and millions of miles away. You might just get fucked. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine all that ejaculate? I mean, I might imagine so- how fish how fish actually fucking swim through that shit. Oh, oh it's really stick. Oh no, he- Elliot's gone again. Fuck so Elliot, you prick. Oh, we've all got pink eye, Dave. Oh Yeah, I can't fuck I've got cum in my eye now, you bastard. <laughs> I just wanted a nice, happy swim with the kids, and look what's fucking happened. You tell one person you don't mind getting a bit of cum on your face, and look what fucking happens. <laughs> this went in a very weird place. It really did. How did we go from platypuses making omelettes to sperm whales getting cum in your eye? <laughs> Do you reckon there was ever tried a platypus omelette? Surely not. Surely you couldn't eat. Because obviously we did. Be- I mean, someone went and got a fucking quail in their eggs. And then, so I have no idea. I imagine it's like more than Tory in platypus. <laughs> like quails, like to- So chickens are like all as poor fuckers. Like <laughs> then you've got quails that fuck it. Like turkey, like in middle class. And you've got, because obviously Americans, quails, you're Tory twats and you're upper class bollocks. So platypus would be obviously above that. <laughs> or the upper echelons at the Tory, gods. Tory platinum. <laughs> yeah. The fucking the diamond league Tory. I don't know. <laughs> If you've got millions, if you have millions, you eat fucking quail. If you have billions, you eat platypus, mate. All right, it's a delicacy. <laughs> it makes you God's gift to fucking women and men. You can literally, fuck, you're like a, you turn to a sperm whale for the land. That's what happens. You impregnate fucking everybody. You know they can't get pregnant. You still impregnate the lot. Everyone, men as well. Everyone. That's what I said. That's what I mean. That's what I said. <laughs> Uh, but we should definitely move on Callum yeah. thank you so much for another wonderful set of treatures I feel though that we start to analyse them more now than take the piss and have a laugh and you know actually make some improv humour out of them we tend to be like do you know what, actually it's a really good point yeah <laughs> pricks because we've been doing this for so long and I think we've agreed with every single treature he's never wrong no I know I wonder where he gets them from there must be a website yeah, I know. No, it's definitely going to be his mind. He's a clever motherfucker. I mean, have you seen the size of him? I mean, I wouldn't want to fuck with that. I was just say, even if he wasn't, I'd tell him he was because I'm scared. So, <laughs> yeah, it just he'd pick you up with his pinky finger and go, ha, 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 and eat you for breakfast for no reason whatsoever. With platypus omelette, weirdly. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I digress again. Jamie. Yes, sir. It's time for Tom's Journal. Bring it. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Right, Jamie, I really can't wait to hear future generations give their children advice like, son, if something sounds too Gucci to be trill, it's probably (laughs) cap dead ass. (laughs) (laughs) What's upsetting is one, as I know that's things people say, and two, I have no idea what the fuck he just said. Neither do I. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what that meant. I just thought it was fucking hilarious because it's so true. I can imagine parents 
you know, uh, you know, uh, the kids now that when they become parents, they'd be like, "That's so fucking peak, son." Like, don't ever say that. That's gas. I'm gassed. I'm gassed by that. Like, ah, it hurts my soul hearing it. Even if, even when you're taking the piss, it just hurts to hear those words. Yeah, it's bullshit. It is bullshit. <laughs> Day two of arguing in my head with a stranger who was slightly rude to me yesterday. I think I've got on the ropes. I do that so much. It's ridiculous. <sighs> oh, I should have said that. Oh, I've got you now, bitch. <laughs> I know it was last week, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> I wish I'd said that now. I might just go find them and start an argument again so I can say it this time. Jamie, pirates are just tropical goths. <laughs> <laughs> Why have I never heard that before? That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Tropical cuffs. <laughs> oh. oh god, that is wonderful. <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that. <laughs> that might be a favourite. Ah, <laughs> oh. well, I'm following it with a conversation between Batman and Superman. Oh, okay. Batman, you and Lois should come over for dinner at the mansion. Superman, sure, what's the address? Batman, Wayne Manor. <laughs> Superman, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's the actual address? Lois <laughs> might want to drive. Batman, stately Wayne Manor. Superman, that's not, it doesn't matter. Do you not know your own address? Like, how do you even get home? Batman, through a waterfall, into a cave, up a staircase, through a clock. That's a really good point. Has anyone actually ever said the address for Wayne Manor? No. They always just go, Wayne Manor. <laughs> some reason, it's on, ba- it's on Bat Street at Alfred Lane. <laughs> I really want to know the road name now that, that Wayne Manor is apparently on. It's gone. How the fuck didn't, didn't you put two and two together Boulevard? <laughs> That's what I love about superhero things. When you put logic to it, it's so fucking obvious. Like, especially Superman. Clark Kent. Superman. Yeah. How did no one know? Where's Jamie? Jamie? Oh, there you are. Yeah, fucking hell, sorry. Some random strangers turned yeah. up. <laughs> um, but what truly does the washing machine gain by lying about how long the cycle has left? If you need more time, just say it. I swear that is the longest minute in anyone's life is the final minute on a washing machine. Yeah, oh, it's, it's going to be raining. I might as well wait. <laughs> the only Four thing that's longer later. is waiting for the door to click for you to be able to open the fucking thing after it's cooled down a bit. It should be able to open when that timer ends. Don't play this game with me, washing machine. And you wait so when you walk away, you get to the other end of the room, you hear, beep, beep. <laughs> like, fuck's sake. I was just there, machine. I know, that's why I waited. Jamie. At my funeral, take the bouquet off my coffin and throw it to the crowd to see who's next. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, Nan. Sorry about that. Did you get... Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) Are you next? Oh, okay. (laughs) Death just turns up. Let's have someone dressed as the Reaper to throw it. 
Well, yeah, then you get the scythe out and just slice and be like, oh, fuck, you actually killed? Oh, my God, you've actually killed him. What the fuck? I said she was next. Come on. Body parts, Jamie, are often metaphors, okay? Guts are courage. Balls are courage. Spine is courage. Toes, however, are small pigs that participate in the market economy. (laughs) (laughs) This might be my favourite journal ever. It's a fucking brilliant. (laughs) Small pigs are market economy. Oh, that is wonderful. <laughs> I feel that this entry is an Ori entry. This is like a, a thing Ori would say. Okay. I don't want to adult today. I don't even want a human today. Today, I want a dog. I'll be lying <laughs> on the floor in the sun. Please pet me and bring me snacks. That is the most Ori thing I've ever heard about Ori even saying it. Absolutely yeah. agree. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> this, it, if you drove, this would be amazing. All right. And I don't know if I'd have the courage to do it, but if you ever drive and ever do this, I will love you forever. Three steps. Step one, go to a drive through. Step two, say, I'm sorry, but I'm blind. Can you read the menu to me? <laughs> Step three, See how long they'll read before realizing you can't drive if you're blind. <laughs> oh my god, we are trying that the next time we go to McDonald's drive through. It's got <laughs> someone's got to do it. <laughs> Say that oh. you can guarantee there's about 500 TikToks of people doing that, to be fair, but I want to experience it. So, yeah, I bet be fucking hilarious as well. <laughs> uh, 13 year old me, why is my mum texting me? Me now, I'm going to send my mum a picture of this grass because it's super green and I think she'll like it. (laughs) 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 It's weird, weird, isn't it? It's that part of life where you're like, God, leave me alone, mum. And then all of a sudden it's, I'm going to message my mum. Where is that line? Obviously, when you get out of teenage, I suppose. I imagine so. That's probably when you move away. I'm going to give you a few more, all right? A few more. Him. She's always on her phone. I wonder who she's speaking to. Her. Did Jeffrey Dahmer use seasoning? (laughs) (laughs) Does make you wonder, though? I mean, I, I can't imagine human taste nice. He had to have, surely. I don't, I don't imagine so. <laughs> I imagine this is how your day goes. I'm going to use your name, Jamie. This day is stressing me. I need a drink. Three-year-old. Here you go, Dad. Hands me his milk. Me. Have you got anything stronger, kid? Yep. Mum, can you get Dad a chocolate milk? Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> feel instantly better from something so adorable. But <laughs> you're just like, fuck off, kid, I want whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like punch me in the face. No, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> do you know what, Jane, right? My favourite sports team keeps losing so much. I don't even watch their games anymore. But my wife tells me I have to because it's just nine-year-olds playing soccer and we have to support our daughter. 
I'd be so glad none of my kids are going to team sports because I honestly couldn't think of anything fucking worse. No, I know you hate sports, don't you? Other than wrestling. <laughs> exactly. If any of my kids want to become wrestlers, that'd be wicked. I'll support that. But if I have to sit and watch football every weekend, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to end on this. Ewan Thomas, the runner. Do you remember him? He's an athlete. No. no. I just paid 900 quid for a sofa, and I've been told it's going to be six weeks until delivery. Does anyone know where I stand? Someone replied, probably in your living room. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> and that was another edition <laughs> of Tom's Journal. I thought this was going to be related to some athlete then, the way it started. Ah, oh, I do love that. That was a superb journal. That has got to be one of my favourites of ever. That was brilliant. Oh. <laughs> but do you think pirates are tropical goths? <laughs> that is my favourite thing in the world now. <laughs> tropical goths of the Caribbean. Dun, 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 I thought they should call dun, it, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I thought they should definitely call it. <laughs> but while we're here, Jamie, I think uh, I think we should bring that piece in. Oh, we definitely should bring that piece in. I think we've talked a lot of bollocks. Welcome to the Chronicles of Faith Elizabeth. <laughs> Faith Elizabeth is an incredible independent actor and filmmaker and the owner of Faithful Films. She is currently promoting an incredible heart-wrenching movie called My Baby Cries. You're going to find out all about it in this movie. You're also going to find out about her amazing Yes She Can movement, which she just went and did at the Cannes Film Festival after we had this interview, but just before it's coming out now. This is a wonderful conversation it is very heart-wrenching at times it's very deep at times it's very dark at times but my god i'm so grateful to faith for sitting there and telling it telling these stories that cannot be easy to tell let's be honest at the end of the day it cannot be easy to tell these stories and it means the absolute world that she trusted in us to tell us these things and just go out there and support faith because this is amazing i love this conversation so much yeah, exactly. Faith, enjoy Ibiza, as I know you're out there right now as we record this, and I imagine you'll still be there when it's released on Friday. Uh, this is Tuesday night, just so everyone know. Uh, please go support the Yes You Can charity that uh, Faith represents. Um, and yeah, and we hope you enjoy Cannes Film Festival. We hope you all enjoy this interview. It, Like Jamie said, it's very in-depth, it's very insightful, uh, and obviously talks about a very serious injury she had that could have cost her her career. Uh, and didn't she didn't stop. She persevered and smashed it out the fucking park. This is a great interview, and I'm very excited for you all to hear it. Jamie! Yes, sir. Any final words? Just a massive thank you to Faith. Just to repeat what I said then, the fact you trusted in us to tell us these stories means the absolute world. I absolutely love this conversation. Like Tom said, this is absolutely amazing. People enjoy this one. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, it's Faith Elizabeth. Ah. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you another wonderful guest with another wonderful and inspiring story. This week's guest is a living embodiment of never giving up and chasing your dreams. She's an actor, filmmaker, is an empowering woman all in the world of cinema by saying, yes, we can. She played 
Scar in the Lion King. She's walked the streets of Albert Square. She's even been in a Nando's advert. Boys and girls, join us as we bring you the Chronicles of Faith Elizabeth. <laughs> absolutely amazing Faith thank you so much for taking the time on Monday evening as you say to uh to join us we really do appreciate it but I think we should start with the really the real hard-hitting stuff which was how was the last few years been how was your pandemic season oh god do you know I <laughs> I feel like everybody says the same thing right because we all had a very different experience but we all had the same thing didn't we with the pandemic I mean for me it wasn't that bad in the end because I spent a lot of time sitting in a paddling pool drinking gin in my swimming costume so it was it was it was all right I got (laughs) just yeah kind of write and create um and not worry too much about the pressure of feeling like you have to be uh, achieving a lot or earning a lot of money because there wasn't really that opportunity. Um, but I bought a dog, which was nice. And I spent loads of time with my daughter, which was nice. So I know that there was like all the crap and the rubbish stuff and the worrying and all that kind of nonsense. But I feel like at this end of it, I'm like, you know, there was rough with the smooth in the end. And I think it pushed me in, in ways it. I don't know if I would have accelerated my career as quickly because I think it made a lot of people sort of realise, like, what do I actually want to do with my life um, and sort of take control and stop thinking that, especially in the film industry, your career often feels like it's in other people's hands. Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I can spare on this podcast, but I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to sit around um, and just let life go by and then we could all just die tomorrow from some crazy pandemic illness or something. So... Yeah, I feel like I've come out the other end better and stronger, even if it was like a bad dream that went on for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice. Um, you're more than welcome to swear, by the way. We we do as well. We always we always get a feel of the guests first before we start, you know, banging the shits <laughs> and fucks and so on. Shits and fucks. That's great. What dog did you get? Um, she's a multi-poo, so she's a multi Maltese Poodle Cross. Um, she's a teddy bear dog. She's like this big and the most adorable thing ever. Um, I don't know how I managed to find my like soulmate in a dog because she like lies in bed and sleeps with me when I don't want to get up. But then when I do get up, she's like, what are we doing today? Yay. <laughs> so it's like the perfect mixture of little ball of fluff. So, yeah. Oh, that's love. What's her name? Oh, God. So... Uh, her name is Princess Coco Chanel. That's her, that's her legal name. Okay. Um, <laughs> the thing is, no, because like I get so much grief about this. My dad was like, I'm not having some weird name that I have to like scream across the field when you inevitably ask me to look after her. So we went through all these different names and he was like, you're not calling her. My daughter wants to call her Blossom, which he sounded like Bosom or Bottom or something. He was like, I'm not doing that. So... We went to all these different names and then I said, well, if we call her Coco, then you are happy to say Coco and I can call her Princess. So, you know, it's a win-win. And eventually over time, we ended up calling her like Koki and stuff. But my dad is the only one that actually calls her Princess Coco Chanel. He's the only one that says to her like, Koki, Wokey, Wokey. And I'm like, you're the one that made me 
try and come up with a name that was like dad safe and you're the one that's like <laughs> love it it's a classic it's a classic male thing to do is like fucking animals don't want them what do you mean i don't know no bollocks and then all of a sudden it's like <laughs> yes yeah he's the only one that lets lets coco lick his face as well and i'm like i love her to pieces but i'm not gonna do that and he'll sit there and he doesn't like it but he'll like be like i'm doing this because i love her and he'll be like scrunching his face up and he's like I'm like, Dad, you don't have to let her do that. And he's like, no, she seems so happy when she gets to lick my face. And her little tongue goes like in his nose or in his ear. Oh. And he's like, like, it's not it's not a re- requestee that you have to let her lick your innards. But what you do for love, eh? Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> oh, lick your innards. Off to a flyer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's all I can say. They both sit there with a grin. So, yeah, they're <laughs> good, <isn't it> right. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh. Well, take us back to the start. What did young Miss Elizabeth wish to be when she was growing up? Was it always acting and performing or something completely different, like train driver? I don't know. No, no, I, yeah, I was always into acting and like putting on little shows in front of the family there's actually the first time I was ever on camera recorded on like one of those home videos that my dad bought one of the cameras and we're all sat there in the lounge and we're all um recording ourselves and we can see ourselves on the tv and we've still got it and I watch it now and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking I knew I was acting then even in the way that I was behaving to the camera um I I knew that it was like a performance and I did it on purpose and it was a whole orchestrated thing um but I also went through a time where I was like I want to be a lawyer I want to be a police officer I want to be all these really cool things and then I was like but you know if I'm an actor I can be all of those things but without having to like study or anything I can do like the pretending fun bit where you get to dress up and look cool and like throw the book at someone or whatever but then I don't actually have to do the hard part, which is like paperwork or the legals or any of that. So I kind of figured it was something I really enjoyed, but also like best of both worlds, you know? So I like that. That's great. I want to do all these things, then I'll pretend to do all these things and get paid for it. Yes. <laughs> have you actually, have you paid a lawyer or a police officer yet? I actually haven't, funnily enough. Oh. I'm not quite there yet. Like, I don't know. I think I'm actually age wise in in the right space like you do see sometimes those like younger police officers but i don't know i kind of see myself as a police officer more like um you know like in a suit as opposed to like on the beat see i can't even look i'd have been such a shit police officer wouldn't i like i don't even know the terminology like a i don't know like a murder investigator kind of police officer yeah yeah detective undercover or something Yeah, I wasn't like into like the bun and the police hat and that kind of vibe. But yeah, like the, someone's getting murdered and I'm just like rocking up, like taking charge of this, the, the crime scene. I think that's the vibe. <laughs> Get the, flip the old notepad, lit the pencil, right? It's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Get my face like right up against the dead body, like, hmm, who's done this? On <laughs> <laughs> closer inspection. <laughs> Yogurt, not semen. <laughs> Malicious, this. Oh, come on. Sorry, sorry. Where did that love for performance come from? Were you a, a dramatic child or the family in the business? And if, or did you just. I just. It was like 
you know, in my blood, I think. Like, I was at school, we would put on little shows together, and if, like, drama was my favourite subject, and it was just something I just did all the time, just as part of who I was before really understanding. I think that there was a weird permission to, like, be someone different and just be in a different headspace and a different world that I really liked. So um, I would really push all my characters to being like really kind of extreme versions of things. Um, it wasn't so much like sitting there pretending to be a princess kind of thing. It mm. was, yeah, like maybe, I don't know, like, you know, we're all in a family and, and mummy's left us alone in the house and, we're going to pretend that we have to survive because we've been abandoned and we're neglected children. It was like that kind of, maybe I had like such a like loving, supportive, happy family that I was like acting out some kind of weird, like opposite end spectrum. So I don't know where that came from. I had this idea for this book I was going to write as well about these kids that woke up one day and the world, everyone in the world had disappeared. Um, and they had to sort of work out how to survive. And it was going to have a black cover and it was going to have a question mark on the front. Um, and I was going to play the, the, the girl in the book. Um, and she'd be like with her sister. And I was thinking about it years later and I was like, you know, I was about 11 when I was thinking of that concept. Like that's pretty deep for like an 11 year old who, yeah, should probably be doing doing tea parties or something like not like I'm going to pretend I've been abandoned in the world and it's like the apocalypse or something <laughs> totally right yeah it's a little bit but anyone listening to this, trademark faithfulism you're not stealing this idea because it's yeah. gonna happen it's a great story you gotta do it now <laughs> yeah we will see I, I sometimes think about it I think I've got the notebook somewhere where I like was writing I keep things I'm like a keeper of stuff I like to keep little bits of like you know when you're 10 and you drew a picture and it's like in my drawer somewhere and so i might have to dig it out at some point but we'll see i think the story needs a bit more developing from jamie alluded to the fact that you um played scar so you did your own production the lion king and raised money for the world wildlife fund yeah and out of every character you could have chosen why scar <laughs> Because, like, Scar is so freaking cool. Like, he's, like, he's, like, powerful and interesting. And, like, you know, Simba and stuff is like, oh, I want to be king. Oh, maybe not. Oh. I feel like Scarla <laughs> is, like, the love interest. Like, oh, so boring playing love interests. Like, I've been, I've done a few of them over my years, and I'll probably do a few more. But when it's just the love interest, it's just a tag-along kind of role. Whereas Scar was, like the center of the of the film and i got this like black wig with white streaks in it because i didn't have black hair at the time and i had this like cat suit thing and i was in a box and i jumped out and i was like scaring everyone and it was like just like the polar opposite of this like quiet shy girl that was just kind of you know didn't really have any friends and just kind of sat in the corner and didn't really get involved and then the next thing you know i'm just like leaping out of this box and all these grown-ups are like what is wrong with this child? And I'm like, you can see. <laughs> but like, so entertaining, right? Like, I got such a kick off of that entertaining thing. Whereas, yeah, and also I couldn't sing so good. So like, if if it was all about the singing, then it's not going to be like, oh, wow, it's beautiful moving. It's like, this, was there a tune? Did she quite get that? Whereas with Scar, it's like, you could kind of screech and it, it was part of the character, you know, so... 
No, oh, I love it. Well, you've only got one song, so you're all good. Yeah. And, so, and it's a yeah. badass song. So I would have picked the song already. Like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, we, as we were just talking about, you know, your career started from a young age working on stage. I know you had to drop out of college for reasons we'll discuss in a bit, but was theatre and working on stage the original plan or was it always a stepping stone to want to work on screen? I think I didn't understand very much when I was younger, the like film world or the, I don't think the connection came with that, like acting is also on TV as well. I think very naturally when you're young, you do plays at school and you're on stages and that's very normal. Um, And then when I got this scholarship at this stage school, um, I was pushed even further into like the theatre, musical theatre world. And I was just so happy to be there and just wanted to be on stage and perform forever. I think I might have, as I got a bit older, started to think like I should probably come away from musicals because I still couldn't sing even after I think I did two years of training there they're on a scholarship and they were still like yeah she's great at acting but I'm not sure about this uh singing thing <laughs> it was really awkward when I was voted head girl and it's like the head girl wasn't the girl that was like perfect at everything I was just very enthusiastic and got on really well with everyone um but they was they were kind of like yeah the head girl doesn't have a lead role in this production again and I was like shit man I keep not getting lead roles because I can't dance or sing. Um, but I think, yeah, as time went on, I started to think like maybe I should look at getting into film. But when I was younger, the thought was that you had to go to drama school and then you'd get an agent and then you'd work in film. So there was like a set path that they caught, sort of taught you of, of how to get into it. So it was always like eventually at some point when I'm trained and when I'm ready, then I'll maybe get to be in a movie or something. Um, but I was always like, regardless of that, I just want to be performing and be on stage and just get anything I can until that happens. I don't know what it is about stage and theatre and stuff. There always has to be a song in it. Like, you can't just have a play. You don't have to sing. Just just do a play. <laughs> been in plays since which has got no singing which is obviously why I was in them uh, but there is something magical about when people sing beautifully and it's all you know dancing and shit but it's just not it's just not me I mean I suppose it's good to have it in the back pocket though that sort of that you've gone up and done theatre musical theatre you know regardless of the singing part but you've got that experience in your back pocket so you you know you're you're multi not lingual what's the word I'm looking for like like you're multi-talents uh, and you've dipped your toes in each in each sea no I wasn't multi-talented at all <laughs> they used to have this terminology called triple threat and everyone's like you must be a triple threat and that meant you were good at singing, acting and dancing. And they're like, if you want to succeed, you have to be a triple threat. And everyone would go on about it all the time. It was like the bane of my life. So I was like, I'm a single threat. That's it. <laughs> but <laughs> I will come in here and work so damn hard and be so good at that, that I'll get like the pity role. Cause they'll be like, this is the role where there's like some really nice acting, but we don't have to get her to like sing or remember any dance moves. Um, but yeah, it's not something I'm still bitter about at all. But I, I think the thing, thing is is that there's a lot more musicals for kids and there's a lot more musical um opportunities and it's kind of like you do the pantomimes and stuff when you're watching kids perform and sometimes they're not very good the musical parts of it are probably some of the better parts because it's like 
you can listen to someone sing for a minute or you can watch them try and do some kind of angel dance or something um whereas obviously when kids are performing it's not always very good so um i think if you had to watch like an hour play of just acting and it's like shit um people are like not gonna enjoy that as much. they're gonna be like i don't think we're gonna go to this like I don't, I don't. I don't know. Watching ten-year-olds who are a bit shit doing Macbeth or something might actually bring some thumbs on seats. <laughs> if they're like really bad, you have to be like really good or really bad. You can't be in the middle when it comes to that. <laughs> Shakespeare's never really tickled the old pickle. To be fair, if I see it, I'm like, oh, cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not I don't for me. Think I've ever read a whole Shakespeare play, which is like you're not supposed to say that if you're an actor. Everyone always says like actors are supposed to be like so into it, like you're not a proper actor unless you like love Shakespeare. But I'm like bullshit. Yeah, I'm not so yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 do you expect to walk in? Like, can I go compare thee to a summer's day? Like <laughs> it's in a brisk Thursday morn. I don't know where I was going. Dost thou want to bequeath? Like, no, no, let's let's stop doing that now. It's 2023, guys, right? Have you not noticed? <laughs> We've all moved on. But it's like it's like music. You can like Shakespeare if you want to like Shakespeare, but like if someone's like ramming rap down your throat and you're like not into that, like you go like rap's not your thing, heavy metal's not your thing. Whereas with like acting in the acting world, it's like if you say like Shakespeare's not my thing, it's like you cursed yourself but yeah i don't know maybe as generations go they might allow more of us to publicly say i don't really like <laughs> i don't like shakespeare but steven spielberg on the other hand come on That's a, yeah absolutely yeah. Let's bring it forward a little bit now yeah <laughs> so as i said in the previous question then you you suffered a major setback it, it was a back injury was it yes yeah what happened <laughs> Oh, it's like, so I was, I w- was working, I used to work from a really young age. I had loads of jobs. I wanted the freedom of having my own money and I liked doing things. So it was probably like my fifth job that I had at this age. And I was just working in a supermarket um, and they were very naughty because they didn't do all the health and safety training. And I was like 16 and I was kind ah. of rushed in, rushed onto the shop floor Um and the boys in the storeroom used to think it was really funny to get me to do all the hard jobs, like lifting heavy boxes and stuff like that. So they would all sort of stand at the bottom of the ladder while I was trying to lift all these boxes. And me being very tenacious, I was like, yeah, of course I can fucking lift these boxes. Um, not ideal, really. Um, but it was it was like the combination of what I was doing, kind of lifting a wine box out of the shelf and twisting and sort of putting it down and not knowing as a 16 year old girl what to do. Um, And I, yeah, I basically, I damaged the nerves in my spine through what I was doing. Um, And then when I was quite sick for a while and they used to recommend if you had a back injury to lie in bed and not do anything. So I did lie in bed and not do anything. And it got worse because now we've since found out that that's the worst thing you can do for a back injury. Um, And then when I basically went and got, um, I had lots of MRIs and lots of tests and things. And they discovered that the reason that the injury had affected me so much was because I have um, chronic degenerative discs in my spine. um, Ah. And 
early onset osteoporosis. So essentially the age of my bones was like a 40 year old woman in my spine, despite the fact that I was 16. So that small injury combined with the wrong advice meant that um, I had quite severe like nerve damage around the discs. I had slip discs um, and they were like, you probably won't ever really walk properly again. Um, and you'll probably be in a wheelchair by the time you're 40. Um, so it was quite a life-changing experience. I don't know if the injury hadn't happened, if I wouldn't have known until later on about my back problems or if it accelerated it or if it caused it, it's really kind of hard to know exactly what that injury did as a whole to everything. Um, but yeah, I still have chronic back pain and I still have the the nerves in the spine send messages to the brain telling them that there's a much more severe injury than there is so um although the the, the discs and the nerves and stuff are damaged themselves um on the surface it's like inflamed and stuff sometimes but there's not really an injury there it's very strange I ended up in uh, St Thomas's Hospital for a month at their chronic back pain clinic when I was I think 17 or 18 um having treatment on it to try and work out what what was really going on but their kind of whole thing was like you're probably going to be disabled for your whole life um you just probably need to accept that learn how to manage it and stop taking all these painkillers and drugs that you're on because um they're not very good for you um so it wasn't like the best outcome but Obviously, I was like, fuck that. Like, literally <laughs> spent like a year or two, like, oh, my life's over. This is the worst thing to ever happen. I'm never going to be an actress. I'm never going to do anything. Um, and then, yeah, unexpectedly, I got pregnant at 19. And then I was suddenly like, fuck, man, I'm going to be a mum. I've got to actually, you know, look after another human being. Um, and it was out of that experience that I was like, it was that pivotal moment where you kind of make your decision as to what you're going to do. Um, and I was like, well, my life isn't just about me anymore. It's about this child that's coming into the world. So I very much pivoted towards like, what is, what can I do to make my back better? And what, you know, what are the, all the different treatment options? What drugs can I stop taking or start taking? Or, um, you know, what nutrients or something can I find to, to, to help me get better essentially but it was a long yeah a long three years in the middle of all that that is absolutely nuts and i commend you massively for obviously the fact that you're now having a flourishing fantastic career um <laughs> but what a weird way for 16 year olds to flirt <laughs> oh, my, oh i really like you i do can you i bet you can't lift that box oh, <laughs> <laughs> year olds recently that's how 16 year olds flirt i swear they all they're all awkward as fuck that's literally yeah. the whole thing, isn't it it'll be like they'll like poke you and be like oh and you're like oh my god yeah sexy you poked me i have like a bruise like thanks bitch <laughs> or they like shove you over or like punch in the ass and like yeah ah, see, that hurt. and in the head of going oh my god i really like her i do i'd like her so much there yeah, it's so yeah weird. It's, it's, yeah, it's the awkward hormones, isn't it? And I don't know. But I, I see what you're saying, though, in a way of, like, have the injury happening, would you have then known about what you the condition that you have? And that's all. It's kind of a... The, the body is mental. 
it's like the most mentalist thing ever. And like I said before, like I, it's amazing that you've been able to move past it. Obviously, you had you've had you got your daughter. Were you able to pick her up and carry her and stuff, or no? It was actually incredible what happened because your body releases lots of new hormones and lots of new stuff to basically help you after you've had a baby. And one of the things that the body releases, which I used to know what it was called, but I don't really talk about this very much anymore, um, basically helps with elasticity and it basically loosened mm. up my back. And actually, we did have good days and bad days, but I was actually better almost after I gave birth to her than I was before because the body nice. was slowly strengthening over time to carry the weight and i didn't gain much weight but it was slowly strengthening to carry the weight and strengthens around the back and everything so it actually ended up afterwards i was like in so much better than i was before um and that's a big part about what i have to do now is make sure it's all strong and i have to go to the gym to strengthen my back muscles to protect the spine but it was incredible really because like i think she she did save my life actually because i was like a yeah i like tried to kill myself a few times before i found out i was pregnant because i was so depressed about the whole thing um and then afterwards i was like my body is stronger i've just had a baby and i'm like here to like look after her and and that's now my life's purpose so you know it helped me physically and mentally and emotionally and also yeah like saved my life so so like lucky that happened yeah, I'm so sorry that things got that bad, you know, and I'm so thankful that you're still here because we wouldn't have this wonderful conversation about Princess yeah. Coco Chanel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like a different life, though, you know, like when you look back at these things, you're like, was that really me? Was that really my life? But it's kind of crazy, these seasons that you go through and the older you get and the more seasons you go through, the more you can recognise it's a season instead of it being like mm. the end of the world like it might be the end of the world as you know it now but that doesn't mean that your story is finished it's just another really fucking cool chapter for when you write your book someday <laughs> I, I was gonna ask like having the back problem as you're halfway through as you just started studying to chase you just, I, must, I was gonna say it must have played hell on your mental health for Justin but I think you just sort of answered that question yeah <laughs> did it was so difficult as well because um i'd worked with the, um i've worked with this group doing like an a-level um standard play it was theater no singing and i had a lead role um oh. and i was like sort of being pitted as this like hot shot actress who was going to do really big things as i was going into college um and i was in a bit of a difficult situation because I was obviously dating someone at the time who was a lot older than I was and he wasn't very good for me either. So it felt like I was under attack from quite a few different angles that were not great. But my parents had always kind of taught us like when you're under attack, it's because there's something really good happening, like there's something really good coming. Um, and you always feel like it's the darkest day it's the biggest war when you're on the cusp of doing something great and that actually is so fucking true because every time something like everything's going to shit in my life suddenly I'm like this is why it's going to shit because it's trying to stop me from doing that thing and it's like almost like clockwork so now when something bad happens I'm like yeah something really fucking get through this and on the other side it's going to be like really good so 
love that. I love that. I, I love the way. You, well, just re- it's part of the reason I reached out to you because I was looking on your website and reading your bio and stuff. I was like, I just love this woman's outlook. Like the way she's gone through things. Like this is awesome. And yeah, absolutely, it's fantastic. I love that outlook on life. But 2013, I believe it was, you decided to put the acting shoes back on. What was it that made you want to get back into the world? I'd started working in London, doing like promo work, um, and I'd start getting out into the world a bit more. Um, and I started having this feeling of like, okay, I couldn't go to drama school. That didn't quite work out. Um, but what else can I do instead that still means I can be a mum? So I started picking up... Um, like essay work doing like film extras work um and I started to see and understand a different side of the industry that I'd never understood or known before and then I got introduced into the indie film world as well and I didn't even know that existed at the time um so it felt like it was kind of yeah like the right time for me I'd had um I had a miscarriage um when I was 21 um, and I was, I had, so it's actually mental. <laughs> so I had decided, I was with this guy, he's no good. He was really awful to me. He used to hit me and he was very abusive. Oh. Um, and I decided, I saw this advert for this Bollywood film and I was like, I think I'm going to go and try this extras work in Bollywood. So I said to my family, I'm going to go to Oxford and stay in a hostel for two weeks and work on this Bollywood film getting paid 50 quid a day, which is barely going to cover my costs for being there. But I really want to get on a film set and see the world and see what it's really like. And so my parents were always very supportive. They're like, sounds really dangerous. Take care, but go and do it. It's fine. (laughs) My boyfriend was like, no, you can't do that. This is like the craziest thing ever. Um, And that was i was i went and did that the director really loved me there was it was a bollywood film um called uh, desi boys with akshay kumar and i can't say his name sermon jamin um but the bollywood guys all like when i meet people now who've been in bollywood and stuff they're like oh desi boys i'm like yeah cool right um but <laughs> i basically went and did that bollywood film they were like, come to India, come out. We're going to like make you a movie star. You're really cool. I came back from the shoot and I came home and I said to my dad, like, you know, they love me. I'm going to go be a movie star. Um, and this was actually just before I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, Summer, that I have. So that was obviously back in 2010. Um and then I was like wearing these like sucking pants on the film set. Like, oh, we have to wear this evening gown. I feel really fat. No idea. I'm wearing three layers of sucking pants because I've got a tiny little baby bump. And I was like six months pregnant. That's why I had this little bump that I thought was just like fat. Um, but yeah, the, my boyfriend at the time was like, you can't go off and do this. Like, I don't like this. You shouldn't be doing this. Um, and then obviously I found out I was pregnant with Summer. So I put the whole thing on hold and I was like, no, I'm not doing this. Um, But after, years later, after I had the miscarriage, um, I was like, fuck it, life is really short and, like, I don't like this guy anyway anymore. Um, I'm just going to kind of go off and do my own thing and just not care. So then I was like, that film job that I did in 2010, although it wasn't a very good job as a whole, 
that was like film extra work and I was like I'm gonna try and do that more so I joined a load of agencies um and yeah sort of started learning from a different perspective because you didn't have all the stuff we have now like in terms of like twitter and stuff it was like we were still buying the stage newspaper to read about what's going on you know back then um so yeah it kind of like launched me into the film extra stuff and then also into um the indie film world and then through the film extra stuff i kind of got this idea that they were like if you can get upgraded and if you can get a bigger role then you can get on spotlight so even if you've not gone to drama school um you can get on spotlight that way so I would be like pushing myself to the front of the film extras like chatting up all the crew like trying to get myself in in. like I'd be first in the perfect little film extra everyone's like she's such a suck up I'm like yeah I am because I've got shit to do and I'm not going to go off to drama school am I this is this is the only opportunity I've got so and it did work actually because I got a lot of featured parts I got a lot of little lines and stuff um literally just from doing extras work because I couldn't get in the real route where you've studied and you've got your agent and you've got it that way what's the expression it's not about what you know it's about who you know yeah yeah brilliant well I mean you were in Endeavour you were in EastEnders Holby City uh like you say smashing the independent scene as well but you were also in Legend with Tom Hardy, which I think is absolutely amazing. And what a film that is. But your lines were cut. I know. It was like one of the biggest like disappointments ever that um, I was like, this is my big break. I've been cast through the... Ex- so, so some of the extras agencies basically get to cast smaller roles in the bigger productions because they can save on money. So they don't have to get a car to pick you up and they don't have to pay you really high actor rates they can kind of pay you a little add-on to your extras role so it happens quite a lot that you get you can get cast like that so I got cast obviously as the photographer in Esmeralda's bar and I was like this is my big thing I've got a scene with Tom Hardy so if nothing else we'll have a scene and I'm acting alongside him and I was so excited and then the filming itself was like really stressful because I had this real 1920s or something camera and the bulbs explode when they go off. Um, Mm. And I didn't know at the time, but he's notoriously hates paparazzi, um, doesn't like going near them and hates flashes in front of his face. So when we're filming our scene and my whole thing is to hold this thing up in front of his face that flashes in his face and he has to do it like 50 times, he fucking hated me. He was like, who the fuck is this bitch? Get her out of my face. And I was like, oh, this is like my big break. Um, and then also the fact that like, he's very method. So he's like very in character and he's like playing this gangster and he's like wiping snot off his like sleeve and he's like looking like shit at everyone. And he's not like got the suave kind of Tom Hardy thing that you might kind of expect because he's in character and he's really focused and he's really good. Um, so afterwards I was like okay that wasn't maybe the best experience but you know it was really good fun and obviously I'm going to be in legend and then when the movie came out I just bawled my eyes out because I was like all my lines with him so like this big break that I was supposed to have um, turned into you can still see a few little screen grabs of me and you can see a few little moments but it wasn't the acting scene um, that it was meant to be so Sorry yes. to bring it up. 
No, it's okay. I've had a few of these, actually. I got hired on Doctor Who to be Pearl Mackey's love interest when they were introducing her. And I was, like, a big fan of Doctor Who back in the day. And I was, like, well, I was a David Tennant fan in that era. And then I did, I did like, go into a little bit the Matt Smith. I dated a guy, well, I kissed a guy once that looked like Matt Smith because I was like, oh, he looks like Matt Smith. This is fun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like... I wasn't so keen on the Peter Capaldi years, and I think a lot of people kind of killed off because it, it, you know, when you fall in love with Doctor Who, because of um, we did watch a little bit of Christopher Eccleston, but anyway, we start nerding out on Doctor Who. But it was like I fell in love in the David Tennant years, so I was like, if I get to be a part of this, and not just like a, a little thing, like I get to be like this new assistant's love interest, um, that's like you know, a really big part of history. Part of me was a bit disappointed because I was thinking maybe I won't get to do a bigger role because I've done that. Although Doctor Who's notorious for bringing people back later and just pretending that they weren't in it before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that ended up being a whole shit show in itself because I went off to Wales and I was like put up in the hotel and I was like so excited and I got to set and they gave me the script and I looked at the script and the whole premise was... Pearl Mackey fancies this girl that works at the university. Okay. So she gives her extra chips. So Sorry, Pearl Mackey works at the university, so she's giving her extra chips every day because she fancies her. Okay. And she accidentally fattens her up and now doesn't fancy her anymore. I was like... Ah, hey, I'm going to do prosthetics or something? Like, oh, I don't know, like never been the skinniest person but I was like okay so we get dressed in costume and we go to set and as soon as I step on set everyone's freaking out and they're like this is not going to work and they're moving the camera around this is not going to work so they send me back to the makeup truck and the costume truck and I get changed and they bring me back again and again they're like and there's always buzzing around me I'm like what have I done wrong um and eventually the first day took me to one side and he was like we're really sorry but you don't quite look how we were expecting you to look. And I was like, okay. And they're like, we kind of thought that you were going to be kind of like pretty, but a bit fat and a bit chubby. Um, but obviously you're not. And I was like, okay. <laughs> You've had all my side tapes and my photos and things. Um and they were like, yeah, I mean, you can stick around and we'll still pay you and stuff, but we're going to have to recast you. And I was like, my little heart shattered. And I was like, this is so bad. And I was like, in the film industry, there's a lot of like prejudice against women who are curvier. It's getting better over the years, but normally it's like you're too fat for this role. So <laughs> when they're like, you're too skinny for this role, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what kind of like, <laughs> twisted shit is this that I've like traveled all the way up here and I'm like so excited to my big break my next big break um only to be like sent packing and then actually when I watched it when it came out they actually cut that storyline because I was thinking as well like BBC doing having a storyline like that as well because they didn't tell yeah. me they thought was going to be my Pearl Mackey's love interest they didn't tell me like Pearl Mackey's fat love interest that she accidentally fattens up like I wouldn't have been up for that anyway um, but yeah, obviously they didn't give you the script till you got there. So that was a whole shit show in itself, but I did watch it thinking. And the worst thing is they still shot it, but one of the runners called their friend and was like, hi, and we have this role that we need to film. 
would you mind like coming up and playing this character so they'd said to all the crew like has anyone of you got like a fat but pretty friend you can ring and i was like that's not BBC that we all know and talk about. That's not good. At some point, looked at the script when they got to this, you know, edit or whatever, and went, "That's not very nice. Maybe we won't run that storyline." And now you can see a girl walk up with a tray. Pearl puts some chips on her tray, and she walks off. And that—that is the role that I was supposed to play that they cut out because they realised it was fucking toxic. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I can say to people, fuck those guys. Yeah. <laughs> fuck those guys in the asshole, is all I can say about that. Like, no lube. Couldn't they have changed the role just to be like, still Pearl Mackey's love interest, but like, drop the fat chips joke? Um, but I don't know. It wasn't meant to be. I'm, I'm holding out that there's a bigger role for me in Doctor Who someday. And I love them. So if you hear this, don't be mad at me. But <laughs> I think it's important that we talk about these things and the mistakes that companies make, even if it's not really, you know, at the time things were a bit different. But I do think it's we shouldn't put them on the pedestal and say, I'm never going to say that that they did that because if I do, they might not hire me. I think that we can say they made a mistake. It wasn't great, but hopefully they've learned from that and they'll do better in future. And hopefully I'll still get to work with them at some point on it. Cause I still, yeah, still a big Dr. Who fan. Although I don't really watch it anymore. It was like the, the David Tennant years. I go back and watch like the spinning Christmas tree episode with Billy Piper. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm intrigued on the new one. I'm, I'm going to give it a watch. Yes, no, definitely. I will give yeah, it a watch. But, I'm intrigued in okay, There was something about the old writing that was really creepy as well, like the weeping angels and stuff that was like, you know, really interesting and like psychologically. Maybe because I was younger as well, it was scarier. But... <laughs> no, to be fair, the weeping angels are creepy as hell. Yeah, and the gas masks. Mummy. <laughs> are you my mummy? <laughs> <laughs> so in 2017, I believe it was, you decided acting is not enough for me. And you started Faithful Films. What led you to decide to start your own production company, start making your own films? Well, I was getting all these love interest roles and that's all well and good. But, I mean, they're boring as fuck, aren't they? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I met with the director um, and he was saying, I'd really love to make a film with you, but I don't have anything coming up that would work for you. Um... And, I, and he said, there is this one thing, but I don't have time to produce it. I don't have time to make it at the moment. Um, and it's on an aeroplane and I probably can't get hold of an aeroplane. And this is just me all over. I was like, I could probably get hold of an aeroplane. I could probably produce, never having done it before. Like, why not? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I just ran with it. I read the script. It was really, it's a little short film called In Flight. You can actually watch it on Amazon. Um, it was really fun and kooky. And I basically self-taught myself how to do it um and my dad was in the aviation industry so he was working for a company so we were going to use the plane from his work um where they would have planes coming through that were being decommissioned um but that fell through at the last minute because um they decided they wanted loads the the air the the airfield themselves decided they wanted loads of money from us at the last minute so i was like okay i can still find a plane like tenacious faith um and i found out that there was one that was used for the filming of sully the documentary and they basically submerged it 
underwater for the filming and now it's at Black Hanger Studios so it's a bit ropey looking and it's not in perfect condition but I managed to sweet talk them into lending it to us for like a few hundred quid for the day and then I was like so we're going to film this whole movie in a day on this aeroplane um and yeah we managed to do we managed to do that so I thought coming out of that I was like you know this should be it was a joint faithful films production um with the director's production company um and yeah like it was hard work like Jesus Christ I was up the night before making fucking pasta because obviously we had like no money so we had like loads of extras coming that needed feeding so me and my oh. sister were like cooking pasta there's nothing weird with pasta that happens in the movie so. oh I was gonna say I was just like what's that for <laughs> yeah, <food of> pasta bar. <laughs> no but it's all the un- when you have no money on a movie it's all these small things that you don't realize that like take up so much time that someone has to do and if you can't pay someone to do it then you're just stuck in your kitchen at 3am making fucking pasta like you just have to do what you have to do to get it done you know um but it went really well and people really enjoyed it and then after that I was thinking if I produce more movies that I want to be in I have more control over the sort of roles I want to play although she was a love interest as well but she was like a feisty love interest who was kind of like biting back at this like sleazy businessman that was hitting on her on the plane um and then she kind of turns into a little bit of a psychopath near the end which is really fun and it's like got this like she's kind of a werewolf so there's all these like werewolf jokes in it as well so it was like it wasn't just like oh look at me aren't I pretty with my great tits yeah let's go and fall in love shall we it's like the opposite of that it's like yeah all right you're like hitting on me and you won't leave me alone fine I'm gonna like fuck with you and like put you in your place so yeah those kind of love interest roles interest me more (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at faithful films and one that stood out to me which I believe is one of your first films The Whisperings yes yeah you wrote it you starred in it you produced it you shot it on land sea the sky Six different cameras, two drones, two underwater cameras, and you thought this would be one of your first projects. Was it Go Big, Go Home? What the hell? (laughs) Well, it was an accident, right? It was one of these (laughs) stupid fucking accidents where I went to this film competition thinking I would be an actor in someone's film, and it was like a, I don't know, you had two weeks or something to make a movie. And so I went there and I had a team and we were all like excited and we were bouncing ideas around and slowly, one by one, all my teammates started dropping out. And I was like, no, I want to make a movie. Like, I really want to do this. And so it ended up with just me and one other person left on the project. So I was like, well, fuck it. Let's just do it anyway. So, yeah, it's actually um, kind of like a fantasy kind of thing about this girl who's a mermaid and she... No, it's kind of sounds lame when you talk about it now, but basically, when you sit on the beach and you feel better, the reason that you feel better is because the rocks are taking on your feelings essentially. So they're kind of taking away the pain and the suffering that you're feeling. Um, but obviously, the rocks can't do that indefinitely. Infinitely. So the the role of these kind of mermaid creatures is to come out and relieve the suffering of the rocks, and then they take the suffering into the sea, and it kind of goes out into the water. So um, it was this like beautiful ethereal kind of fantasy thing um, where she's coming out on the rocks, and she's kind of 
treating the rocks and stroking them. Um, <laughs> and then Sky sees her and he's like, what are you doing? Why are you stroking the rocks? You're a fucking weirdo. Um, <laughs> and then she gets offended. She's like, excuse me, this is my job. Um, and like decides to drag him out to sea and drown him, as you do when men offend you. So she um, kind of lures him out to sea in this kind of like siren-like thing. Um, and yeah, we we shot underwater. We borrowed a local swimming pool. It actually looked really cool. We had like really dangerously just like little lights in lunchboxes floating on the surface of the water. Um, I can't really hold my nose underwater very well. So I spent a week in the bath trying to learn how to hold the water under my nose, which really pissed off the underwater photographer because I could only get underwater for about 30 seconds max at a time. None of this Avatar 7-minute bullshit. Uh, and I was very buoyant, and I didn't know at the time how to go down, and it was a very shallow pool. Um, so I'd kind of get down and then very quickly come back up again. So it was very, it was very tricky. Um, but... Yeah, we got through it. This was early days of drones as well. And I knew a guy who had a drone and we shot like these sweeping shots across Brighton of like the West Pier. And we nearly got arrested because there was some kind of like royal visit the next day. And they thought that we had the drones because we were like trying to, no, I don't want to say it out loud, but do some kind of terrorist attack, I guess. Um, we were like, no, we got permission and everything. Like we, I'd insured it all properly. Um, but yeah, that was adventurous. And also, newbie filmmaker Faith. Oh, if we're if we're shooting nighttime, we shoot at night, right? Why don't we just go to Brighton Beach in November at like ten o'clock at night, and I'll be half dressed, and we'll just shoot on the beach because then it will look like night, and it'll be nighttime. That seems like a really reasonable thing to do until like two a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so yeah. I was like doing things how I thought that things should be done in my own knowledge and capacity and then bringing people around me who are willing to just kind of believe in me and just be like, why not? Let's see what happens. Um, I even slept in my mermaid makeup because we had to do a shot the next day and we couldn't get the makeup artist back again the next day. And it was like scales on my face and we'd use fishnets and you'd never get well you would get it in continuity if you were avatar but we couldn't so i was like in my prosthetics asleep trying to like not move so it stayed on for the next day um but you know like filmmaking is like the biggest buzz and it's like almost like the more ridiculous and the harder it is the bigger kick you get when you pull it off and when you're early days you don't understand what you're doing like you you as in like you don't understand how hard and ridiculous what you're trying to do is you're like why not let's just let's just do it and then as you get further into the industry you're like wow I probably wouldn't shoot a whole short film on an airplane in one day again or I probably wouldn't shoot a mermaid film it's like my first project like managing all these things and then everyone that I know is like credited like my dad's credited as location manager on it because he was like driving us all around and I think my mum was credited as uh, costume alterations because she was like sewing up my dress. So when you read the credits, their surname's Downey. It's like Ian Downey, Heather Downey, Grace Downey. It's like, yeah, I really did get everyone I know to just kind of help. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, that is dedication to the cause right there. When you're starting yeah. out, not you know, with all that makeup on, not moving, going to Brighton Beach at 2am in not a lot is <laughs> dedication to the cause. 
But let me so don't piss you off because you'll you'll drown us. So to remember that. Yep. Um and also <laughs> the terrorist attack thing with the Raws are attending. If it was Prince Andrew, he you didn't he'd shit himself, but you wouldn't know he doesn't perspire. So you know <laughs> So, you know, what can you say? Um, I mean, I think that's ridiculous that they thought that though, to be honest with you. I think they'll just kill Jamie. He'll he'll be a minute. Um <laughs> I think that's absolutely mental that it's like, I know what you're here for. You're here for the rules, aren't you? I no. Like, <laughs> sometimes people do things gorilla where they just kind of don't really get the proper permissions and they hope for the best. But then you could be like, we'll just shoot on Brighton seafront this on this day and then you don't realise there's a marathon or something. Or, you know, <laughs> just shoot at the... Because it was the I-360 that they were visiting and we were shooting at the West Pier, which is owned by a different company. So we had to notify the West oh. Pier, but we didn't have to notify the I-360 because we weren't flying over the I-360. But then the I-360 were like, why do you... It was, again... In the days before drones were really a big thing as well. It's like, why do you have a drone flying when we have royals coming today? And we were like, um, no reason. Definitely just <laughs> filming me walking across the beach, not like whoever you've got visiting. So, yeah, luckily we got away with it though. So, and especially in small indie films like this, things like that can kill your film. Like, if you get arrested or if your drone gets confiscated or something, you know, that can kill a whole project and it can make a lot of people give up. So I think people that actually go on to make another film, you know, have got probably some pretty severe mental health issues to put themselves through that again after knowing what it's going to do to them the first time. You can ruin your production. Do you enjoy torture? Do you enjoy being miserable? Do you enjoy everything going wrong all the time? Yeah, I do, because then I get this movie. <laughs> give me more, give me more, more it! I was going to say, um, those, those things kind of ruin a project, or they could be great stories on podcasts in the future. So, yeah. And later, like, you still screen it. They still screen The Whisperings every so often on their channel. So That's amazing. That's awesome. You, um, you studied screen combat at one point before starting your uh, your company uh, with the British Action Academy and completed the first phase and then didn't continue because you thought that the bruising and the whatnot would not get you roles in the future. Wh- why? You should have carried on. You could have been kicking some serious ass at the same time as acting. Well, the first thing is I still have pretty severe back issues, so I don't know what the fuck Oh, I was that's a good point. Yeah. Up in the first place. I was like, if I, if I train in stunts and stuff i'll be more higher so they, they teach actors you make yourself more hireable get skills do things so i was like oh that'll be fun and the first phase seemed pretty low-key and pretty easy so i was like you know that'll be really good fun and then when i turned up and i was getting these pretty heavy swords like actually hitting you sometimes and then i had all these massive bruises and then like, i fell over a couple of times like on the floor and i was like ow and i was like you know, if you like skateboard and you like fall over and you think, oh, I'd like to go home, like skateboarding's probably not for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was the same thing. I was like, no, this hurts. And and, and <clears throat> one of the things they taught us as well was you are replaceable. So you have to make sure that you do everything in your power to stay as safe as possible. Because if you get injured, they're just going to bring somebody else in to replace you tomorrow because you can't tell who it is anyway. And I was like, oh, shit. I don't know if I want to be, like, doing some kind of skill that, like, m- makes me replaceable. Like, I'm like, I want to be the person that they bring in that they're like, no, this is the precious one that we can't injure. 
not like, ah, oh, fuck it, she's hurt herself again. Oh, I'll get another one in. Like, that's not my vibe. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what I was thinking with that. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't great. But I did meet some really awesome guys, and I met a lot of people that have gone on, and they work on the stunt register now, and they get to be in really cool stuff like Wonder Woman and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I'm really happy for them. And, like, I do look at them, and I think... I would. I was never going to be that person, you know. Like they went and did gymnastics and all this stuff, and I'm like, I could do it like a very basic level, maybe. I mean, not gymnastics, fuck. But like maybe I do like something. I looked at the falling course. We have to like fall out a building, and I was like, maybe I could do like one or two falls. And I'm like, are you dumb? Like then I went to like walk for a week afterwards because like my ah my old back hurts. Yeah. At least you tried it, I suppose. At least it's something, you know, you complete the first phase. At least it's got that under you. Has it ever come in? Have you ever needed it? Um, I did actually do a couple of, like, things where I got hired as, like, you know, a girl with a gun and stuff afterwards. Um, but not very... The thing is, like, all the actors are trying to be so versatile and they're trying to be everything and they're, like, trying to be like, oh, yeah, I can do this and I can ride a horse and I can do this. And I'm, like, very much the sort of person that's like, if you want a girl who can ride a horse, I, I know who you can hire. I don't need to do that. That's not me. I'm not trying to be everything to everyone. Um, and, yeah, I think that it's more important, actually, to work out what you are and what you're good at. And that doesn't mean that sometimes you might not want to do a bit of fun and, and learn how to be a fucking mermaid. But that doesn't mean that like you need to think that you need to be everything to everyone so. i like that you know you don't need to be a jack of all trades you could just be really fucking good at what you do <laughs> yeah I, so. I really believe that like i think if more people kind of focused on working out who they are and what they're good at and what their kind of route is they would stop trying to spread themselves too thinly across lots of different things. And also they would stop feeling disappointed when they don't get, you know, this particular role because like, that's not, that wasn't for you because you're not the best person to play Tomb Raider type role or, you know, whatever role it is. Like you were never that person to do that. Um, and then when a role comes along that you think I am the person to do that, that's when you can like grab it by the horns and be like, no, this is what I'm, you know, this is what I've trained for. <laughs> Absolutely. I get that. So talking about faithful films, obviously, you know, how do you go about acquiring these films to make them? Cause I know you write some of them yourself, but there are ones written by other people. Do you, do people approach you or do you go out hunting scripts? How does that process work? I think it's a mixture. Like I don't take scripts, from random people who send them to me, although they keep sending them to me anyway. Um, it's more... And the great ones. Which ones have you had? I don't I don't open them. I don't read them. I'm not interested. Oh. It's a whole thing to sit down and read a script as well. And you get this thing where someone messages you like, hi, I need a producer. Here's my script. I'm like... That's like walking on a dating site. I mean, like, hi, I'm a man. I need a woman. Yeah. Here's my dick. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, would you like it? No. Let's get to know the whole I thing. don't. I've never understood that. I've never, ever. I don't think anybody has ever attained a wife or a girlfriend by going, hi, nice to meet you. Here's my penis. Yeah. It's shocking, really, isn't it? Like that people I don't get it. 
I think it's an ego thing, actually. I think people like the fact that they've shown it to someone and that they know that they've seen it. I think that's why they do it, but they're just deluded, disgusting yeah. individuals. Anyway. Yeah, agreed. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Uh, <laughs> Go from there to there. What just uh, happened? <laughs> So, so, so all the projects I've worked on normally are people that I know that have said to me, I'm trying to make this project. I need help in this particular way. Can you do it? Are you around to do it? Are you interested in doing it? And they already have a relationship with me. So it's the relationship that comes first. And it's the, I kind of understand who you are and what you're trying to do. And then I can sort of see if I want to get on board because any film you work on takes years of your life mm. and it's really difficult and it's really stressful. Um, so even if you got sent a really good script by someone, you've got no idea what the writer director team is, or if you're doing all the work from the ground up, it's a huge amount to do that. The way that I prefer to do it is like, what am I getting out of it? Is it because I'm going to do an acting role in this thing? Is it because I'm going to learn a skill? Is it because it's really well paid and it's a short gig so I can just do it quickly and get out? You know, what what is the situation and, and how is it going to progress my career forwards? Um, and is it in line? You know, are the, the slate of films we have on Faithful Films is quite different. Um, and I'm sort of more deciding now about making films that obviously since I started directing, it's more about what I'm really passionate, excited about and what I'm trying to do with my career as a whole. Um, but I do get asked to come on as producing on other projects as well. Um, but it's it's very difficult because it is like saying, would you like to give me two years of your life? Um, and if you start going down the route with someone and then you're finding it really stressful or you don't care about the project, then, you know, you don't want to be that person that is leaving them in the lurch. So you have to think about it because it's all very exciting when someone says, do you want to work on my movie? Yeah, let's go make a movie. How much work? How much am I getting paid? <laughs> like, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, it's not like when you're acting and you can come in and do a couple of days on something and then leave. Or even if you come in and do a, a large part of the project, you're still acting. Um, it's a smaller responsibility than when you're producing. And everything I do, I want to do as good as I can. And I want to push the limits and I don't want to be like oh this is within our skill set I'm like so we're going to do this <laughs> like this is within our budget we can do this like that's <laughs> what excites me not like what is a normal reasonable thing like oh shoot a film in a cafe over a week like oh, oh it's boring like I don't want to do that where's the airplane go yeah exactly <laughs> like where's like the really cool crazy stuff that's like gonna get my blood pumping and then when we achieve it it's going to be like really cool so what do you prefer to that of interest acting or the behind the scenes thing because you seem to be loving both i do love both yeah i think it depends on the project um i just want to do everything all the time <laughs> i think acting is a particular type of thing but the thing is with acting is that there's so many people trying to get the roles and it's such a big thing. Like I'm not interested in doing tons of self tapes. Like the normal actor has to apply for lots of roles, spend a lot of time on spotlight or with their agent or going into London. I mean, now we do more zooms, but I'm not interested in wasting half my life casting for things that I'm probably not right for. I'm much more interested in when someone approaches me and says, we've got something we think it might work for you that I then look at that because then I'm maybe competing against five people and the time I put in is more valuable. Um, they say that, I don't know what they say, like 90% of the time actors are not working. They're just casting and 
like doing self tapes and stuff mm. and I'm like it's a waste of my life like I don't want to learn lines and try and you know look into your product and look into your production company and look into what you're doing and all that kind of stuff for then you to like you know look at my picture and be like nah too tall you know because that's what it is a lot of the time and since I've worked on the other side I appreciate it as well but you can have a vision in your mind it doesn't mean that person's not good but they're not the vision you have in your mind so then they could have agonized over and they get rejected and then you feel shit afterwards and it was never anything to do with you it was just because you didn't fit exactly what they were looking for um so in terms of like having sort of agency and control over what I do I prefer the sort of directing and producing side because you can decide more about what's going on whereas when you're an actor you're very vulnerable and you're kind of in their hands all the time um and the actors don't get to act often enough like it's not fair (laughs) even if you're doing like you know weekly rehearsals or something or weekly classes it's not the same as getting to go on Mm. set is casting too specific sometimes though can people be really overly specific about it for no fucking reason whatsoever yeah it's really strange actually either end of the spectrum is weird like we'll see everyone between the age of 20 and 60 every weight every color every size every this every that and now i think okay they don't know what they're doing so (laughs) it feels like they're just like throwing out a net and just don't really know what they really want but then sometimes it's very specific um and it you kind of look at it and you think why is it so specific because if it's specific for a reason like they have to be 16 because they're at school fine um or if it's very specific like they have to be very skinny because they're anorexic fine but a lot of the time I see a lot of it is like 18 to 25 blonde under five foot seven size six to eight that's like a very standard casting (laughs) and it's because they're they've got this image in their mind of like young pretty hot girl and you're like is that necessary for like a police officer or is that necessary for like (laughs) (laughs) for this particular character um and it's often not it's just like you know the director maybe has the idea in their head that you know for a long time all police officers were men and you know all nurses were women and it's taken a long time to be like you can have a male nurse um and that's good and it also you can have a nurse that's older like you don't have to have a nurse that's like 30 you can have a nurse that's just qualified as long as it doesn't affect the storyline but you can have a nurse that's been a nurse for a long time and no they haven't progressed to be a doctor because being a nurse and being a doctor are different things so not everyone wants to be a doctor they want to be a nurse so you can have a 60 year old male nurse and that is fine and no he doesn't need to be ripped with a six-pack because he's a nurse (laughs) like or maybe he gets to be ripped with a six-pack um you know you don't always need mummy roles to be grumpy middle-aged women but at the same time we often don't get that unless the reason that the mummy role is a frumpy middle-aged woman is because her husband doesn't love her anymore because he thinks she's ugly and i'm like oh god it's not you know there's still a lot of like stereotyping that goes on that's quite toxic um i think what's more hurtful is actually a lot of the time you can still be a very skinny fit attractive whatever woman um and your partner can go off you anyway because it's it wasn't that that caused the 
separation in your relationship. Um, but we are seeing more diversity now on screen. Um, it still takes a long time to filter through. Even with like female roles as well, there's a lot of um, diversity that's happening. But then I've been hearing that still some of the biggest studios are saying to friends of mine, you know, we don't really want too many women in this film. There's, there's like, it is a strong female role, but we also need a male role who's strong as well because it can't be too female-led. And I'm like, but women will watch it, and that's 50% of the population. <laughs> so, you know, these executives are all still very male-dominated at the top. So they're thinking, I want to see tits and guns. And it's like, well, you know, it's a period drama about... <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I can't say I've watched a TV series and gone oh my god they've cast that fact incorrectly it should be 37 and Iranian what's this all about you know I watch a TV show for, for stories I you know it's I yeah you want you want to be able to associate with the character or whatever but I've never really looked at them and gone oh my god why is Benedict Cumberbatch not in this yeah, because you know, it's called the midwife, Tom. That's why. Yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> why is Bendit Cumberbatch not in it? it yeah, it, yeah. And there's, this weird, there's this weird thing where they want you to know your audience and they want you to know your niche, but at the same time, the men with the money want it to appeal to everyone, and you can't be, you know, Slipknot who has a huge audience and still appeal to Mozart fans by like <laughs> having a bit of that Mozart. In great. So you can't like both, but. You don't go out there like, we're going to make sure that Slipknot is Mozart audience appropriate. Like, that's not... Oh, like, I don't want to hear Slipknot. that now. Like, let it be what it is and let the people that like that come to it without shoehorning something else in to expand the audience and let creators create. You know, they're saying a lot of the films coming through at the moment don't feel as good and you don't realise how much micromanaging is going on. So a great director gets given a big Disney project and you're like, yeah, they're going to do a great job. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, it's all right. And it's because they've been so micromanaged up to their eyeballs that they haven't been able to do what they wanted to do with it. And then everyone blames the director and you're like, well, was it not the 50 middlemen stood behind them that are on every single project that goes through the doors that went, we want more of this and more of this. And they were like, okay. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's still difficult to, um, yeah. To, to get the money and the creativity freedom at the same time. Yeah, I can't imagine someone's there going, I, I enjoyed Pocahontas, not enough boobs for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not what the story's about. I don't care, Dave. I, I wanted more I wanted more cleavage in that film. Why? <laughs> be like, so I was really thinking we could have some, you know, aeroplanes in this, but they didn't have aeroplanes. Yeah, but, you know, aeroplanes... It's very popular. Do you see the Top Gun movie? Everyone liked that. So could we put some aeroplanes in this? You're like, no. Let it be its new own thing that's great. Yeah. What it's great for. Not like huh. Pocahontas. Like, oh, look at that great Airbus A360 flying over. <laughs> <laughs> John Smith swoops down on the wing of a plane to save the day. <laughs> and really enjoyed Cinderella. Not enough Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Not of Tom Cruise. He's he makes lots of money on movies. Why is Tom Cruise not in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to get inside some of their heads and be like, I just want to know what you think. Like why why you think this is appropriate and why you need need I, this. 
I think it's because money in movies is it's really hard to know what's going to sell. It's really hard to know. Let my dogs come say hello. It's really hard to know. Yes, she is. No licky faces. Coco. Yeah. <laughs> you say hello. Yes, I know very. Coco. Just so lucky. Mother, I'm excited. Well, sit down then. Mummy's on a work call. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it's because you don't know what's going to make money and everyone's so worried that the film's not going to make any money and most films don't make money and I think that's the problem. And so they're trying to guess what the thing is that's going to mean that they're going to make money and they don't really know. And so they just try and do what you do in most businesses, which is, you know, we look at the business model from what we did last time and we try and replicate that in order to have another successful product. Um, but movies are art. They're not, you know, something that you can manufacture and churn out again, no matter how many sequels of Fast and the Furious we're going to get. Which, oh, don't even. You know, that is a model that works for them, maybe, to do 10 now. But that's not a model that's going to work for everything. Um, and, yeah, it's it's difficult, though, because, you know, a lot of movies do do lose money, so... You can't completely ignore the statistics on it because if movies only lost money, we would struggle to make movies. So, absolutely, I think that's why indie cinema is a winner because you haven't got studios going money, 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 money. The director, the writer, they can have their vision, they can do what they want with it, and they don't have that big wig go. No, this needs Tom Cruise. You know? Yeah, exactly. But then it's very difficult to get money in indie cinema, and it's very difficult to make money in indie cinema as well. Yeah. So you know. It's it means that creatively people can do better, but then they watch it and go, God, if I hadn't had to stay, and stay up all night making pasta for the crew, maybe we would have had a better movie. Or, you know, if we'd had a little bit more budget and we could have afforded, like, real special effects instead of some kind of Play-Doh stuck to his face, um, we would have made a more convincing Lincoln or whatever. <laughs> but it's... It's it's difficult, I think, both ends. Yeah. Um, Just need to find that middle ground somewhere in the ether, wherever the fuck it might be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> so the current project you're promoting, My Baby Cries, seems to be a real passion project of yours. What's the film about? So the film is about a couple who are struggling to um, communicate and spoiler alert um it it basically you think it's a, a story about postnatal depression because they've recently had a baby and then later on it's revealed that they actually the baby actually died um and the mother's been carrying around a doll that she's been seeking comfort from in order to process the grief of losing the child um and that comes from the fact that when i have my miscarriage my daughter had this baby doll and um when I went for the scan they said to me oh the baby has died and I was like no it hasn't <laughs> so I left and I carried this doll around for a week before I went for the second scan to find out if the baby had died or not because you can tell if you take them a week apart for sure um and I got a lot of comfort from cuddling this doll, which was almost strange because I actually had a child who was like two or something as well. So it's not like I couldn't cuddle my child, 
but there was something about this little doll it had a weight to it um and it was really quite emotionally moving the fact that it it didn't it wasn't a, a plasticky one it was it was my child's doll but it it felt a lot like a baby mm. um and the feeling that i got from carrying it around obviously gave me a lot of comfort then when i found out the baby had actually died i found it very difficult to put the doll down but i did but it was almost symbolic as well of like okay the baby has died i do need to like say goodbye and let that go um and the story follows abe the husband as he's trying to console her and trying to almost say live a normal life but trying to make her happy and do what he can to sort of help her while he knows that she's um suffering with depression but he also knows that she's been carrying around this doll and she's been hiding it from him and he then hears from a friend at the park that they've seen her pushing the doll in the park like pushing the pram in the park with the doll in it so he realizes you know she's still struggling um and he comes home and tries to talk to her about it and she doesn't want to talk to him about it and then um she goes upstairs upset and he goes in the nursery and she's sat there cuddling the doll and they have an argument basically where it all sort of everything sort of spills out um it's quite a dark sad film um but it talks to the sort of grief and the lost feeling and it also talks to not demonizing either person and not saying that it's the father's fault or the mother's fault it's just a difficult stressful situation that they're both in and neither of them really know how to handle it um and that was important that we sort of didn't sort of say the dad has done something wrong that it was actually just about um yeah the two of them sort of working out what to do about the situation that they're in fuck that's so deep but i think it's really important you tell stories like these though then that is one of the beauties of indie cinema because there are people out there like yourself as you said that are struggling and you know some for some people to see it represented can help you go i'm not alone other people go through this this is not just me i can get through this they got through it i can get through this and it's comforting and it's amazing that you know you've put your skill your talent and you know your own experiences into doing this i think it's absolutely beautiful i really do thank you it's we've screened at a lot of festivals and every festival we screen it at people come up to me afterwards and they there's always so many people who have their own story if it's themselves or if it's someone that they know that have been through something where they've lost a child um it's something that affects so many people and yet we don't talk about it very much and it's never it's very rarely portrayed in cinema if it is it's not always done very well um and it's a difficult taboo subject i mean they're talking about how do we get people in cinemas and bums on seats and make money and it's a hard sell to be like so we're gonna make a movie about someone whose baby has died everyone's like that sounds horrendous (laughs) like i don't want to go and sit and spend my friday night doing that watching that um but actually the reality is is that people do want those stories to be told and they do want people to be brave enough to have those conversations and it opens up conversations that people can have where 
they sometimes haven't spoken about it or they felt like they couldn't talk about it or they felt like they're quite alone in it. Um, and what's interesting to me is that, although I had my miscarriage when I was 21, the reason that we made the film was because my sister and my best friend both miscarried in the same week. And oh. it was so traumatizing. And the same feelings that I had 10 years before they were having and the same grief and difficulties with knowing what to say and difficulties knowing how to handle it were being mirrored 10 years later. It wasn't that we'd really progressed as a society, that we'd really learned a lot, that we talked about it a lot. Um, and it, I just realised how common it was as well. And I just thought, like, it's a difficult thing to do, but it's a really, really important thing to do. And I don't want us in another 10 years to be in a similar situation again where nothing has really progressed and pe unfortunately babies are always going to die it's one of the greatest tragedies that can happen but hopefully we can learn as a society to talk about it more that we can lift some of the taboos and that we can find a connection in that grief that that will get stronger over the years the more that we're able to sort of deal with the trauma of it and talk about the trauma of it um yeah, it's a heavy film, but I think it's a necessary film. Absolutely. And it seems to be winning awards at all these different festivals. Yeah. Is there plans for a wider release? Yeah, so um, I want to... So so once the festival run is finished, which is really soon, um, then we're going to release it publicly. I'm looking at the different VOD channels as to where we're going to put it. Um, but I want it to be accessible to wide audiences without it costing loads of money because it was never a film that was meant to make money as such. Mm. So um, I'm not interested so much in paywalling it and protecting it like that. I'm much more interested in being able to put it on platforms where people can reach it and where hopefully people can watch it um, and it can make a difference. So we're working with Mama Academy who are um, miscarriage um, charity, miscarriage and baby loss charity that's run by parents who've mostly had stillborn, stillborn children. Um, and we hope to put it out on their platforms as well and sort of just kind of reach those places with it. And then my plan is to make, I, and I've got another film that I'm planning to make um, called Bunny, which explores similar themes and it explores similar story, but hopefully with a slightly more commercial side to it so that we can give it the voice and put it on a platform in a way that means that mm. we can reach more people um and that's going to be exploring the mechanics and the bit that films often skip as well where if you've seen a film where they talk about baby loss which is only a handful of them but the baby they find out the baby has died and then we skip to six months later Later, that's always the thing. It's like yeah. six months later, we then skip to how has it affected them now they're an alcoholic having an affair, whatever. Um, but the hardest days when you have a miscarriage or lose a baby like that are the days immediately after and the mechanics of dealing with it because nobody really talks about the physical side of what you have to go through um, and the the telling people that don't know yet and you know you still have a bump and you have to talk to people in the street who ask you how far gone you are and you're like well my baby's actually dead so <laughs> it's like all of that kind of stuff that we want to explore in that film 
um, that hopefully we can also bring in some terminology that helps people learn how to talk to people when this happens and also kind of shows you like um very well-meaning people say things like oh i'm sure you can try again and you're like oh great <laughs> like that doesn't make it better but if we put that on screen and people watch that hopefully then they'll watch that and think that was a dumb thing to say and hopefully then you know people will learn from that and think i won't say that when that if that happens to someone that I know. Um, so that's kind of the plan with the journey of the, My Baby Cries. Because My Baby Cries is just, it's very dark and it's very sad and it it intentionally doesn't have a resolution. It doesn't have a, they lived happily ever after, they had another baby, anything like that. It just, it 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 is just very singular in its message. Um, but when we hopefully do Lost Bunny, then, you know, we hope to explore more of those kinds of things. I, th I think it's amazing and it's really amicable that, you know, you're willing to do this to help people and to help, at the end of the day, help strangers. You don't know these people. Yeah. And you're willing to put yourself out there and your time and your effort to help them is absolutely mind-blowing. You know, I, I tip, if I had a hat, I'd tip it. You know, it's... Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> but... You know, this isn't the first thing you've done to help other people. As I mentioned in the beginning, you've got your Yes She Can campaign. Yeah. What What is the campaign? So um, it sort of came... So I, I was going to Cannes Film Festival, um, as you do. As you do. Um, and I absolutely love it. I think it's an amazing place where people can meet and connect and widen their networks. They can learn so much. Um, obviously... I got to watch the BFG with Steven Spielberg and I was on the front row and he was five rows behind me. And I was like, this is cinema. We're in a 2000 person cinema screen watching the real world premiere. So it's like magical and beautiful and amazing and all these things. But off the back of the Me Too movement, a lot of stories were coming out about bad things that were happening happening at Cannes and there was a lot of bad things that are happening and there are still sadly bad things that happen at the festival but the amount of press around it had people that I know saying to me don't you think you shouldn't go to the festival because it's dangerous or don't you think that women need to avoid the festival and it was as a result of something that we really needed to talk about the difficult things and to stop the, the bad things that were happening there was so much negative press around the festival that women didn't want to go. And there was a negative vibe around women wanting to attend. And I was like, oh, that's not what we need. Like less women at the festival because of this. Um, so I started it to basically encourage more women to attend. And then also to show people the type of women who are attending so that they can hopefully see themselves or see a future themselves in those people so that they think it's not just about A-list Hollywood actors attending, but, you know, this sales agent or this producer or so-and-so is there and that hopefully that encourages them to attend as well because they can see more relatable role models and more relatable inspiring figures that are attending. And then also we sort of promote women who are attending as well. So we run our She Squad on Instagram and social media, um, Twitter and Facebook, which basically ahead of the festival sort of shows a little snippet of people who are attending. Um, and again, they can then connect beforehand if they want, 
or it gives the people who are attending themselves an opportunity to boast a little bit to say look here's my little profile I'm going to Cannes um, and it gives them permission to celebrate themselves and to have other people you know look at their achievements because sometimes women don't talk very much about their own achievements and they feel a bit awkward about it even like people that I know that will send me their bio I'm like I didn't know this but they're like oh yeah I know it's just this thing I did but they don't even feel that comfortable to like shout about their achievements so it means that we've got an opportunity for for people to connect um, and for people to talk more about sort of who's attending and then we do um sort of we've done like conferences and like a magazine that's like a how-to guide to can which is very practical and it sort of tells people like where to go where to drink where to eat sort of the mistakes to avoid things to pack all the kind of stuff that you'd want to know when you're going on a trip like this uh, and that is for men and for women it's not just um aimed at women but so that people feel less alone and they feel less like out of their depth and all the barriers that stop you from doing something like going to Cannes can hopefully be broken down bit by bit and hopefully the barriers that people have about their hesitancies about going they then feel like they're part of something like part of the she squad so then they meet on the street and they're like oh I'm doing this you know I'm part of the she squad and then someone else is as well and then they find common ground to connect with we have these little badges that we give out and everyone wears them on their lanyards and the croissette is like normally full of people wearing the badges and men wear them as well and the reason the men wear them is to show their support to say I'm supporting the women who are at Cannes and I want to help and I want to show that I'm on your side um so it gives them an opportunity because a lot of men are crying out for ways in how they can vocally show their support of women as well mm. so it means that they've got an opportunity to have that um and it's a conversation starter for them as well so then they can sort of start thinking actively about how they can involve more women in their projects and involve more equality um and then also we're doing this year we're doing like a party list and events list of interesting events that are like conferences and things that women are speaking or films that women are showing so again there's like a place they can look where they can kind of see female focused things that they want to go to and again men who might want to attend as well because a lot of the female events they let men come to as well it's not only for women but it's meant to be a place where we have a moment to think about how we can involve more women in the in the festival so then they can see that and be like i would like to go and support the africa in women event that is happening and i want to know how i can encourage and support more people you know in that particular area and i want to learn how i can be better as well so it's kind you of are a true true inspiration aren't you You're a true pioneer <laughs> massive it's incredible no, no it's it absolutely really amazing and it, it definitely needs to be a thing absolutely because the the whole me too thing that's come out was just shocking and it you know as as a guy i was, I was actually quite embarrassed like I, I was i can't believe this shit still fucking happens and it's now 2023 and you're still getting stories every now and again you're like why why are people dicks like yeah. just stop just stop being a prick there's no need for it there's no need for it now like we all need to stand together as one, be kind to each other and fucking support each other. Cause yeah. yeah so massive, like big, big up massively. Cause that's incredible what you do. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't feel like it's incredible. I feel like it's like something that I see as a need that needs 
helping and there are tangible ways I can do something so I feel grateful that I'm able to do that and I know personally a lot of women who've attended the festival because of us and that makes me so happy that I can see that they've gone and I can see what they've got out of it and like that makes me feel like it's for me almost because I'm like look at that awesome woman going and doing that thing because we were able to help her so I feel like it's a blessing that I've got the opportunity to be able to do something like that um, not everyone is able to or has time or you know has the resources so I feel it's like a responsibility as well to like use what I can because it's it's easy to preach to other people isn't it like you go use your you know you why don't you put someone in your magazine or in your podcast and and you know you do something but it's like okay great you can tell people to do something but what are you doing like what am I doing so it's something I can do. And there's lots of people that do amazing things as well. Like the female film club are there this year. Um, and they obviously have a whole film club about women in film. And then there's women in film TV and there's loads of different organizations doing things. Um, but we can hopefully like tap into something that's not being done within that and then support all of those within that. And I hope that other people can also look at what they're doing and say, how can I also support, in some small way because if everyone does a small thing to support in some small way imagine the difference i mean look at what happened with straws for god's sake (laughs) (laughs) that was one piece of plastic that they were like straws we're gonna get rid of all straws and we're gonna have flocking soggy straws instead but (laughs) i'm not saying that was a great thing for the world is like in terms of beverages but in terms of like plastic (laughs) seems to be going well but that's like one little thing. So, you know. Fantastic. But like you said, you know, there's so many people that notice these things, but don't do anything about it. And the yeah. fact you are is another reason why we tip the hat, because it's phenomenal that you're doing this. And the fact you recognise the need to do it. So instead of going, need to do it, isn't it? Shame. You're yeah. actually going, no, I'm going to fucking do it then. And yeah. it's brilliant. I, like I said, I tip my hat. Tom's going to tip it twice for me and him. And- <laughs> No, it's absolutely phenomenal. But before we let you get out of here, what are you working on at the moment? Anything coming up? I've saw you on Twitter. You're wearing your mermaid tail again. I am. Yes. So, um, the, so the next project I'm doing is like a bit different from what we've done already. It's a dark fantasy about mermaids in Italy, and I am playing a mermaid in the movie, and I'm writing it, um, and directing it and producing it <clears throat> well we'll be getting some help with all of those things as well um but yeah so it's a it's a dark fantasy um about a girl who is crippled by a mysterious illness and it's kind of showing similar symptoms to the things that i've been through physically um and she has to go to italy to find her birth parents to find out what's wrong with her and why she's losing the use of her legs um and obviously when she gets to italy she discovers that the town is a mermaid murdering cult that kill mermaids and drink their blood as you do um and then she also discovers that she is a mermaid herself but she's a cursed mermaid so she doesn't have a tail and she doesn't know quite what's wrong with her um but she has to find out what's wrong with her and then ultimately save the town from their evil master and before everybody's lives goes to shit so yeah (laughs) I feel like this is your way of saying these back problems I had. It'd be a real good payoff if I was a mermaid at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's there's a lot of things that I relate 
to her with. Like, Azrai is the main character in the title of the film. And I feel like there's a lot of things I relate to her with in that sense. But it's meant to be, like, Pan's labyrinth kind of dark fantasy, beautiful etheralness. But with, like, mermaids in Italy and, like, the beautiful kind of sea and that kind of thing. So it's very dark. It's not for Little Mermaid fans necessarily. Um but it's ultimately it's all about love and abandonment and rejection and feeling unwanted and feeling lost in society and all those heavy, rich, traumatizing, exciting things, um, all wrapped up in this like horror fantasy kind of thing. So it's a very ambitious project to be taking on, and um, especially at the indie film level where we don't have hundred million quid or whatever, like some of the bigger studios do. Um, but I think it's going to have that like authentic, gritty indie feel to it, while also um, hopefully having really cool mermaid plans and really kind of exciting but interesting, dark, grittiness to it, like everyone is neither bad nor good in this movie we don't play into the whole um villain goody kind of vibes it's all about people do everybody does good and bad things and everybody thinks that what they're doing is what's best and everybody is really traumatized um and really fucked up in their own different ways so phenomenal i that sounds incredible <laughs> <laughs> mr stevens do you have any more questions for our incredible guest i do i know i've been here a while so i'll be quick did you ever think that when you first started out you know playing scar in the lion king with your friends to raise money for the wwf that you would be here today doing indie movies directing producing acting and have your own phenomenal yes we can char- yes you can charity <laughs> Um, no, I didn't, honestly. <laughs> I feel very blessed that this has become what m- my life is, because obviously at one point I was, like, lying in the road trying to get hit by a car, and then years later this is what this is what life has become, you know? So, um, yeah, I think it's like you never really know what, what's going to happen and what direction your life is really going to go in. And obviously... I used to dream of winning Oscars and I used to say that I am, um, I want three Oscars because the first one, it could have been a fluke. And um, the second one, still not sure. But by the third one, you're like, no, yeah, they definitely meant to give you that Oscar by the time you've got <laughs> So I've always had very high aspirations for my career. I wasn't like, oh, maybe I'll do a bit of theatre and I'll just muddle along. I was like, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, 10 years old and I'm, drawing pictures of my Oscars, like, yeah, that's the plan. Um, So we're working on the way there, maybe, if the Academy like me. Um, But it's incredible, like, when you take a step back, because when you're in it, it's your life and it's your world and you're just walking your dog and taking your kid to school and doing the washing up. And then in between, you get these mad moments of film screenings and craziness in between. But my life feels normal, like, everyday life like everybody else's but when you kind of step back and you're like oh yeah that is kind of cool that like we've achieved so much and it's only getting better it's only on an upward spiral at the moment so incredible you are absolutely (laughs) amazing before we let you go any plugs social medias you want people to go check out 
Uh, so I'm on Instagram um, at Little Faith, L-I-L-F-A-I-F. I don't really know where it came from, but it's stuck. But if you put Faith Elizabeth, you'll find me. Um, Twitter, I'm one Faith Elizabeth, the number one. Again, I don't know why, because this is not what you're meant to do. I'm meant to have the same handle across everything. Um, Azraifilm.com is going to be up in the next few days. So if anyone wants to check that out and see what we're doing with that, that would be really cool. Um, we're going to be raising money and selling a little bit of merchandise and stuff to get the ball rolling on that project. And I know money's tight and it's difficult right now, but if you want a T-shirt with my face on it as the mermaid or whatever, then maybe that floats your boat, I don't know. Um, but yeah, just check out what we're doing. And if you're going to Cannes or thinking about going to Cannes, go to yeshecan.com reach out and let me know if you're interested or if you want any advice or anything, or if you are going and you want to join the She Squad or you want to attend anything that we're doing. So. <laughs> phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for taking your, your Monday evening to sit and chat to me. I really, really enjoyed this. Thank you so yeah, much. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. It's been really good. No, I well, really appreciate it. It's been amazing. Fab. All right. Take care of yourself. See you Bye. soon. See take you later. Bye-bye. Bye. What an incredible, incredible conversation. This oh. is why I say with this show, if you've never even heard of the guest, listen to it. Because we have them on this on this show because their stories are absolutely incredible to listen to. And this is a shining example of why you should always listen. Because, yeah, this is beautiful. And please go out there, support Faith and everything she's doing. I cannot wait to see these movies she's working on in the minute. They sound absolutely amazing. And yeah, again, like I said earlier, just a massive thank you to Faith for putting that trust in us. My second, Jamie. Faith, thank you so much for taking time. Your very, very busy schedule uh, to sit and chat with us. It was absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. And we hope that you all enjoy listening to it as much as we did recording it. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults, and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's Participation Challenge.
Wicky, wicky, wow. <laughs> I have no idea what these intros are becoming anymore. Um, <laughs> anyway, no matter what our ages, deep down, we're all a little immature and dirty-minded. So with that in mind, what free things you could buy in the store to make a cashier feel a little bit uncomfortable? What say you, Mr. Stevens? A dildo. Good answer. A salmon. <laughs> <laughs> And grapes. <laughs> or just three dildos. <laughs> three dildos. We don't sell these here in Asda. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who said I was buying them? Which one do you want? <laughs> Excuse the liquid. They are used. That's why I said to you, 20 quid, mate. <laughs> Welcome to Tom's Dildo Emporium. <laughs> You've made me feel uncomfortable, let alone a cashier. <laughs> This one I use myself. This is fresh. This is recycled. This is recycled. I pulled this out as I walked up to the till. That's, my brother made a really good point, right? Sorry, just to, to briefly, briefly, just tangent off. My brother used to be a stand-up comic. He was training to be one. And he made an amazing joke about recycled toilet paper. He went, could you imagine somebody at the end of a production line just going, wiping their ass, be like, yeah, it's all right, mate. <laughs> That'll do. That'll go in. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, let's get some answers. <laughs> Stephen Phillips, gun, bullets, pineapple. Jamie, just quickly, yeah. what's your answers? Do you know what? I did my usual thing, but I didn't even think of an answer myself. You know, I was too busy just collecting everyone else's answers. It's the whole point of going on the spot, my friend. It's the uh, whole point. No. Come on. Oh, on the spot, on the spot. What are we going to say? What are we going to say? If we're going into a supermarket, I'm going to say, <laughs> I do like your whole salmon on, so I'm not going to lie, but you've had that one. I'm going to say, a pineapple. Pineapple. Yeah. Lubrication. Bottle of wine. Not a... Just those. Huh? Just those. Maybe they like, have you ever fucked a fish before, mate? <laughs> Because I have. <laughs> the fish entered me. Anyway. I don't know if it's, it's going to like this bottle up his ass. You're not going to drink that? Yeah, through the fish's mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm oh. going to lose my nipples. Sorry, Cam. <laughs> Becky Westwood. She has a ball gag, rope and pliers. I don't know I where don't she's need shopping. to know about your private life, mate. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> That's not that's your birthday, that is. <laughs> oh, so I've ruined it. Shit, sorry. Sorry, oh, I to ruin it. That was supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> so, the pliers are attached to a fucking <laughs> car battery, uh, and that's for the nips. <laughs> nip, nip, nip. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> I just like the sound effects. Oh. Nini Hewitson, Amaro, Vaseline, condoms. That, that's that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. I'd love it if they just got the end of the thing and start taking them out and put them over and being like, <laughs> oh, was I not supposed to the show here? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's for... <laughs> Would you like any help you packing? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I thought they wanted me to, to do the show here. Sorry about that. <laughs> Gary Harvey, polythene, duct tape, rope. <laughs> What's polythene again? Like cling film. Ah, okay. 
<laughs> so my brain just, just my brain just went somewhere else. I don't know where. I was thinking of that shitty stuff you get, you know, in, in packaging. It's just that white shit that goes everywhere. <laughs> Packing peanuts. Yeah. No, the actual really long oh, I know things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that you can't recycle or destroy. And if you break it apart, you get little tiny fluffy balls just everywhere. Sorry. Everywhere. <laughs> Stacey Marriott. I don't know what she's getting at with this one, and it kind of concerns me. Pills, vodka, knife. <laughs> Is she okay? Have you checked in <laughs> on her? I was going to I'm going to have to check in on her, I think. Rosie Rowland, she gives an answer quite similar to Nina's. Butternut squash, Vaseline, strong pain relief. Oh, okay. Oh, you're going to need some after, I think. I've never, I've always, surely that can't be pleasant. The girth on that, like, I cannot imagine that being nice. No, I'd imagine. Do you know what I mean? Because surely there's only so much room. So, right? You don't get. Obviously, you get people with big penises. You don't, you don't get massive vaginas, do you? Because that the deep dark darkness of the internet, I've no doubt it's somewhere. Let's just say that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Someone having to hold their dick to like shove it in. Like, move. Oh. <laughs> sorry. Grey and white funnel rope laxatives. <laughs> what are you pulling out? <laughs> What are you putting in to someone? And if you're, funnel, if, you're, if you're funneling, which way around are you going to have that? Because otherwise it's going to come out into the big part, but through the smaller bit or through the, the small bit, you've got no chance of doing the upside down yeah. way. That's really interesting. I'm really intrigued as to why rope, though. Because <laughs> it's not happening again with someone willing to participant. That's, that's my guess. Okay. The cashier is uncomfortable. <laughs> Paulie Dobson, a filleting knife, KY jelly, and superglue. What the fuck is going on there? Why are you lubricating inside of yourself? <laughs> or is that to put the pills inside you? I don't fucking we know. Don't know. These are interesting. These are... <laughs> if you were the cashier, right, would you ask the question or no? Would you just keep on going? I think I'd, I'd want to. Because they just want to know that. I'm sure I've made some jokes before when I used to work on the tills. Like when some people have brought something together, I've been like, oh, oh, oh. Did you ever feel weird buying condoms? No. Okay, that's definitely it. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about it. No, I'm I'm just trying trying to think. It's been a fucking long time since I've needed to buy them, but I don't remember ever feeling uncomfortable. I know you need them now, but like, I was trying to think back. I definitely didn't feel weird. Why would no. I promote an effect of getting laid in or I'd love it. That. I'd love I, I bet it's got to have happened at some stage. If a guy's buying condoms as the guy standing through goes, Can I join in? <laughs> Extra large, go on, Dave. Give her one for me, son. <laughs> I why do people say that? Also, extra large, fuck off. Like, Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, I need like king size. Do you really? Do you fucking really? I bet they're queen. I've stretched one of those normal ones over my head before. You don't need extra large. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Jimmy, I mean, I've heard of fisting, but this is a whole new fucking level. <laughs> Why? That book just moving around for being idiots. <laughs> Stretch out, put it on top of your head, just over your nose, and then you go, and then blows up like a unicorn horn. Do you know sometimes, right? <laughs> You're asking questions. 
I really wonder why I did the show with you. <laughs> I, I was young, right? I don't give a fuck <laughs> if you were young or not. Am I just, have I just had like a really shit childhood and not had any fun? <laughs> to be fair, I don't think not putting a condom on your head means you've had a shit childhood. It's fine. Go on, I'm going to give you a head, but not that one. <laughs> Make way. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm the Jaggernaut. No, Might as well um, climb inside. Oh. <laughs> Let's go a few more. Bethadere, rope, duct tape, pliers. I feel sorry for anyone that's going home with Beth. Oh. Dungeon. <laughs> Martin Skerritt. This one really made me laugh. A cucumber, KY jelly, and an electric toothbrush purchased while sporting a very menacing grin. I love the added details, though. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Love it. Oh, I'll give you two more. Joe Smith. Me and my sister used to go to Tesco, pick up things like top shelf magazines, and put them in elderly folks' trolleys and watch them pay for it. One old lady had a cucumber and lube. A gentleman in his 90s had a dirty mags, condom, and lube. I'm fully aware I'm going to go to hell for doing this. The thing is, though, if you're that age, why did you keep going? Why did you. They're probably like, oh, God, I forgot about these. I needed these. It's either they didn't notice or they're too embarrassed to just go, I didn't pick these up. Why are they in here? Let's just, just pay for them and get out of here, Doreen. Come on, let's go. You're evil, Smith. You are evil. She's very evil. And last but not least, it's our good friend, Mally Malpass. Matt Hancock's autobiography, a box of Ferrero Rocher and a can of WD-40. <laughs> I mean, I just question the book, the book, the book by itself. Forget the fucking rest of it. That, that's what I'll be mostly questioning. Yeah, the book. Why would you want to read this? Come on. Oh, we love it though. Thank you to absolutely everybody that participates in Jamie's participation challenge every single week. We appreciate every single one of you. Uh, and if you enjoy Jamie's participation challenge, Tom's journal, Callum's teachings, the show, and the and the wonderful interview that we have on the weekly basis, then you can find the other 87 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Whether that be Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Audible, Amazon. You can find us absolutely anywhere. Just get out there and go and find him. I don't know what Jamie's doing. Just ignore him, guys and girls. Just ignore him. Um, we're also on the old YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell to get notified as soon as new videos are released. And comment, comment, comment. We would massively appreciate it. Um, you can find on YouTube. All of our interviews are on there. All of our shows are on there from episode 22. We're 22nd edition. All of our hashtag Wednesdays are on there from our old channel. All of our Bloodstock Live interviews are on there. Our Bloodstock Sophie Lancaster Foundation vlog is on there. And our Dublin Cross vlog is on there as well. Hopefully, we'll be having some brand new news to bring you in the next couple of weeks, fingers crossed, to be adding more wonderful things to the channel. You can also find us on Facebook at The Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you like it. Make sure you share it. Make sure you tell absolutely everybody about it. Jamie, where else could you find us? Head on over to www.faithfulfilms.com and find out about all the wonderful projects that our glorious guest, Faith Elizabeth, is involved in. Absolutely. Or on the Twitter at TCO pod. And whilst you're on www.faithfulfilms.com learning all about Faith Elizabeth and on our Twitter, where else could you find us? 
sitting there giggling to yourself over the idea of tropical goths because I know that's what I'm going to be doing for the next two and a half weeks, probably. Yeah. Or on our Instagram. At TCO Pod, you can find us on the Chronicles of uh, Sorry, you can find us on LinkedIn at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you connect with us on there. You can find us on TikTok at TCO Pod. Make sure you go and watch the Joe Gash video and Jamie's Chesney Hawks video because that will still always get me just the way he celebrates. Um, you can also come to our beautifully brand spankingly sexy and wonderful little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. You can find out all about us are on there, all of our affiliations and sponsors are on there, all of our episodes are on there, and our lovely little shop where you can buy yourself some TCO Pod merch. So make sure you follow us on, subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on all of our socials. And now, a word from Jamie Westwood. Welcome, one of our sponsors, I was telling you so. Before we get out of here, let's say a thank you to a few of our friends. First off, every single piece of music you hear on this show is brought to you by one man. And that, uno man, hombre. Uno hombre. and that man is singer-songwriter Matt Roberts. We can't thank Matt enough for all of his fantastic music that he gives to us. It means the absolute world, sir. But go check out Matt on all the social medias, at Matt Roberts Music. Go check out his latest album, Light of Day, on Spotify. And go follow him on Spotify. Go follow him on YouTube. Go do all those wonderful social media bits and send him all of your love. And of course, we have to say thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to www.staycozyclothing.com or download the smartphone app. Have a look at what they've got there. There's some wonderful T-shirts. There's some wonderful hoodies. There's some wonderful hats. Look at those beautiful items of clothing that Tom's modeling for you right there. If you see anything you like, put them into your basket. Add that discount code, The Chronicles, at checkout and get yourself 10% off your order. And of course, don't forget to check out the latest drop, some beautiful new hoodies and those mugs. Those mugs are glorious. You need them all. And last but not least, we have to say a massive thank you to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. They are stamping out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. We cannot be proud enough to say that we are ambassadors for this fantastic charity. It means the absolute world that you let us fly that flag every single week. This is a charity that means the absolute world to me and Tom, if you hadn't already gathered. But it's 2023. Why are we still letting people be judged and treated differently because of the clothing they wear, the music they listen to, and just wanting to live their life? It is approaching festival season and what you are going to find is fields and fields of people that live their life how they want to. If When there's that many people, surely it's not a minority anymore, people. So how about we get with the times and we treat people exactly how they deserve to be treated like human beings. So please head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Find out what you can do to bring an end to this. And while you're there, head on over to the store. There are some fantastic items on there. New hoodies, new T-shirts. They've dropped a new hoodie and a new beanie hat the other day that look absolutely beautiful. And I need to get my hands on them. So please head on over there, support the charity in any way you can. And we can't wait to see you all festival season. And last but not least, massive thank you to this handsome devil sat right there. And a massive thank you too, too, Jamie. I concur, I concur. Um, another, what well, I say, a massive, massive thank you again to Faith. Thank you so much for coming on the show like i said i hope you're living it up in ibiza and having the best time ever while you're out there um and thank you so much for being an absolutely wonderful guest on our show jamie another absolutely unbelievable episode sir oh yes indeed 88 it's gonna be great and as for this week we're gonna see you all next week 
for the Chronicles of Alan Hudson. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.